You've reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Hey. Oh, hey, Jeff. What's going on, guys? Oh, you know, talking about Superman. Oh, cool. I could talk about Superman. I could talk some more about Superman. We know. I'll bet a few people would want to get in on this. I'm down. You know it. That sounds like fun. I'll do it. Cool. Let's do it. We can call the show Men of Steel. And you can find it at certainpov.com. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Yay. Welcome, everybody, to We Have Issues, Geek Elite Media show that's about everything literary. Books, comic books, web comics, manga, and everything else you might be reading. We're here to talk about it. Happy Comic-Con at Home Week, guys. <laughs> this is the biggest week of the year for me. <laughs> for those who don't know, I take the whole week off and I immerse myself. If I can't be at Comic-Con, I watch every panel I possibly can. Nice. Um, fun fact, for those of you who don't know. I am Comic Con famous, uh, not really. <laughs> uh, there is a live or there's a YouTube video you can find of a Buffy the Vampire reunion panel at San Diego Comic Con in 2011, and a young, fresh-faced Keith asked Jane Espenson a question, and they put the camera on me, and I hate cameras. <laughs> so there's <laughs> there's actually a video of me on YouTube talking to Jane Espenson, who I adore and worship. <laughs> so fun fact for you guys about my comic-con history that's 2011 it's been 10 years that's it's awesome. been five years since i've gone wow. um i actually post i have a picture of my my past from five years ago and man i need to go again i miss it so um now i'm gonna go ahead and kick it over to my stalwart sidekick who's always at my side host way yes. what is your experiences have you gone to major cons uh, i honestly i've only ever been to the i think when it was then the phoenix comic con with the i guess the only mm-hmm. one uh 2013 no mm-hmm. 13 shit yeah i think it was the only con i ever went to still honestly one of the most fun things i ever done because it was oh, just yeah. like it was like my long time like coming for just like to just go to an actual convention it was where um yeah like a few episodes ago when we were when steven was on and i talked about that my infamous um Green Lantern variant nab from yeah. <laughs> from uh, Hastings. Greg Capullo signed that variant uh, at that Comic Con. So good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. See, you know, Josue is lucky. He's actually in the area of Emerald City Comic Con. Yes. Pax Rose West. City. Like, yeah, there's some really good ones up your area. And so I might be visiting you at some point to go to a con. We'll go, oh, we'll go to somewhere. So <laughs> I'll, I'll buy your ticket and everything. We'll just go spend the day. Fuck and yeah. You, you can experience con with Keith, which I, I come with a plan <laughs> and, and I execute it. <laughs> I believe you. Like that would be like the most fucking fun. Like I did comic con, right? <laughs> yeah. And then you can help me not embarrass myself in front of my heroes. Hopefully yeah, <laughs> you'll be better at that than those would be. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah. So guys, uh, we will have so much to talk about next week, but yeah. Uh, this is going to be old news by the time this comes out, at least for the first one. We are going to be doing live stream reactions every day after Comic-Con, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. 
uh, to what happened that day uh, with various Geeka leaders. Uh, I don't know who will show up. It's going to be who shows up is on. That's fine. Uh, so uh, keep an eye out for those. Those will be on our Geek Elite Media Twitch stream. And it will be added to YouTube later on. And, and Steven's going to edit it for us and put it on YouTube. So keep an eye out for that. We will talk about the biggest news if stuff hits next week on our show. Uh, but as far as this week goes, I have two things I want to talk about news before we go into our comics. Ooh. The first one is a kind of a mo- more minor one than the other. And this one is... The Marvel has announced the return of Luke Cage to the comics. There's going to be a three-issue miniseries. Oh, God, not at least, I guess. <laughs> called Luke Cage City of, City of Fire. And uh, it's it says it's sort of a modern character piece, uh, examining his expanded role in Harlem. Uh, it says he'll go after uh, a villain group called the Regulators. And yeah, it just seems really cool. It's like a sociopolitical kind of thing. Um, so what we do know about this is, like I said, it is going to be, uh, only three, uh, three issues. So, I mean, it's not too much of a commitment, you know what I mean? So, and the cool thing is the art artist is going to change every issue. Ooh. Okay. So, uh, Hochi Anderson is going to be writing it. Uh, the f- first artist is Fareed Karami. The second one is Ray Anthony Height. And the last one is Sean Damien Hill. Uh, so it's going to kind of change between issues, um, which I think is pretty cool. Now, the one I, I'm i excited about all of them, but I'm really excited about Ray Anthony Height. Uh, he's the one that did that run of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur that was really good. Oh, okay. Fuck yeah, then. And yeah. he's also, he did a run of Dr. Afra that I, I really enjoyed. So uh, I'm pretty excited about that. And he seems to be excited, too, because he immediately retweeted it as soon as they announced it. So. Mm-hmm. It's always a good sign. But yeah, I'm excited about that. I love Luke Cage. You guys know my Luke Cage and Iron Fist weakness. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like it's definitely a, a Marvel character that's just like, he's popping. He's obviously integral in the fucking Avengers book. Like, where's his solo book? Oh, that's right. Sorry, I'm playing a race card here. He's black. He, that's why he doesn't get a long-standing <laughs> solo series. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I get you. Um, I mean, to be fair, there's Iron Fist. They're always kind of yeah. bundled together. You know what I mean? True. So. Um, and then the other big casting news I wanted to mention, uh, uh, um, or other big Marvel news I wanted to mention, excuse me, is Michaela Cole has been cast in Black Panther in a mystery role. Oh, yes. Would we like to speculate and figure out who she's playing? <laughs> Honestly, I'm on Twitter's bandwagon. Just give us fucking Storm. <laughs> like, just jump it. I don't give a fuck. That would be a weird way to introduce Storm. A bit, I mean, honestly, at this, like, any, like, any mutant just off the bat like this would be super fucking weird. I still don't know how they're going to pull it off, how that, how they're going to pull off the big M off. But I mean, I honestly, I have no fucking idea. Michaelical is awesome. I saw I I was honestly unsure. I didn't mm-hmm. know who I wanted her to play, but then I saw a tweet today that I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah. What if she played the goddess Bast? Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I think we're going to have to deal with the afterlife, with the spirit realm that they, mm-hmm. they used in the first one. Because, you know, we lost Chadwick. Yeah. So I, I think we're going to have to deal with that. And she'd be, she's got that regal look. Like, she looks mm-hmm. badass, you know. She could pull that off. So I, I'm, I'm excited one way or the other. One no way matter or what they do. Great so. casting for sure. Definitely. So, <laughs> um, which leads me to my final news story. and. 
I'm so fucking excited. Uh, for those who don't remember, I'm a huge fan of Neil Gaiman, mm-hmm. and uh, I loved, loved, loved the Sandman audiobook because it was basically a radio play. It was fully cast. Neil Gaiman was the narrator, but every other character had an individual actor, and the cast was insane. Um, absolutely insane. The kind of star power you really couldn't get in a movie. You could only really get this in a book because of the limited amount of time it takes to record. Yeah. Um, you couldn't pay them to make a movie with this cast. Um, <laughs> Which a lot of people were talking about the Sandman show on Netflix and like, why doesn't it have such a good cast? Because you don't understand how money works. That's why. <laughs> so, um, returning. Okay, we're getting volume two of the Sandman, first yes. of all. That's, that's the main story here. Volume two uh, of the audiobook of Sandman, which collects yes. four, five, and six volumes. Yes. Um, returning cast members are going to be James McAvoy's returning as Morpheus, which. It's going to be hard for me to ever see anybody else besides him as Morpheus after Ooh. listening to that first audiobook. I love him in it. Um, uh, Kat Dennings is coming back as Death. Okay. Michael Sheen is returning as Lucifer. Cool. And Andy Serkis is returning as Matthew the Raven. All four of them killed it in the first <laughs> one, by the way. It's amazing. So, uh, uh, the, uh, there's other casting here. Some of these did appear in the last one. Those are the main four that are coming back. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of new cast members here, so including good. Jeffrey Wright as Destiny. Jeffrey Wright is incredible. He's so awesome. Absolutely <laughs> incredible actor. And that's Destiny. Destiny would have pissed me off because it's just like, just say it straight, bro. <laughs> but <laughs> just give it to so, me. God damn it. <laughs> so mysterious. And Jeffrey Wright is just going to be, it would sound so sweet. Yeah. Uh, Regé Jean Page from Bridgerton will be playing mm-hmm. Orpheus. And he's a beautiful fucking man, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> he has a great voice, too. It's obviously audio. Um, Brian Cox, who... Cool. I, uh, we're talking to nerds. He's the bad guy from X-Men 2. <laughs> he's Striker. <laughs> um, for non-nerds, he's the dad in Secession and every other movie you've ever seen. <laughs> so, um, he's great. Uh, Emma Corrin as Thessaly. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Lithgow. Oh, yes. As Emperor Joshua Norton. Yes. It gets better, people. Oh, for sure. David Tennant as Loki. That... Uh, four words have never turned me on as much as David Tennant as Loki. <laughs> like, that really, is amazing. The, the next one. The next four words. <laughs> Bill Nye as Odin? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited, but no, David Tennant, man, oh, is my God. shit. So, Bill Nye, baby. I'll take that Bill Nye is wonderful, though. Uh, Kristen Shaw as Delirium. I like this casting. I hope her voice is regulated. Yeah, me too. I can hear Kristen Shaw in everything she does. Yeah. I, I find I, it hard I, I to that. fall into character. You know what I mean? It's like I get why they'd pick her as, Destin, uh, as Delirium, Delirium, but I was like, I, I, I'm, that's the one I'm kind of most apprehensive for, too. Yeah. Kevin Smith as Merv Pumpkinhead. Now, I read Kevin Smith. I'm like, no. And then it was Merv Pumpkinhead. I'm like, all right. That's all fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love Kevin Smith. I still have a hard weakness for Kevin Smith. Yeah. Because yeah. I just relate to the dude. Like, you know. Uh, Baby Newworth is Bast. So that's mm-hmm. our second Bast reference of the podcast. So far. Oh, yeah. And so, and then the, uh, the next one, which I was actually really excited for because I was actually like, I actually love to see this one uh, play be played uh, live out, but Maria Margolis as Despair, and this is like a 
very interesting creature, right? I mean, like interesting character where she makes herself look like a creature, has a little like a hook ring that is like literally almost like starts like cutting herself where it's like it's like the essence of despair. And you see Mira Margolis, again, for like the nerd fans, it she's um uh the herbology professor from HP and I won't say the whole property because fuck J Game. Uh but that one was actually I actually really dug this casting. And then Joanna Lumley for Lady Joanna Constantine. Like, there's gonna be some good shit. There's some good call. It's like I'm loving that they're actually following the volumes, following the stories instead of just like, hey, let's teeter here, there, and use what we want as as we need to go or for these episodes. No, they're fucking following it through, and they they know who they want to cast for this shit. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm very excited about that casting too. Um, especially because with the Sandman TV shows casting. Mm-hmm. A bunch of people being like, oh, you're turning Constantine into a woman? It's like, you clearly have never read these books, you idiots. Seriously. So, <laughs> just, <laughs> just hammer that shit home. So, um, and Naima Walsh as Nuala. And then another one that I absolutely love, Arthur Darville as William Shakespeare. Uh-huh. I do believe he's returning because I think he had like two lines in the first one when they did the the Habgodling uh, storyline. Yeah, yeah. Because he does appear in one of those very briefly. Mm-hmm. But we're going to get the full-on story with him and uh, with with uh, Morpheus later on because they meet like three times. Yeah, yeah. So, so and, we're going to get that then. So, and again to the to the to the nerds, that's Rory from Doctor Who. So yes, he's playing he's yeah. playing he's playing the Infinite Man again, <laughs> just like as with uh, oh no, that's not that's the same character. But as William Shakespeare, he has like this fucking yeah. role to play. Um, oh God, I, I I I can't wait to die. When does it come out? Uh, really soon, oh, very okay. soon. It's this, it's this fall. I know that much. So, oh, that's great because um, I still, I still been saving it. It's like I don't know what I've been doing, but I'm definitely got. I'm more excited to to just dive into it now. That's why I those, like my, my omnibus right there. <laughs> <laughs> for those who don't know, they also announced that the first one is available for free on Audible. So yeah, nice. you can you can listen to it for free. That's dope. Yeah, so definitely check it out. It's really great. Oh, also, uh, other nerds, uh, he also played Rip Hunter on Legends of Tomorrow, by the way. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so so definitely check it out. It's really cool. And in related Neil Gaiman news, Neil Gaiman announced they're making an adaptation of Anansi Boys. <laughs> I'm very excited. Um, I love American Gods. I love Anansi Boys. Go to his website, neilgaiman.com. He wrote a really cool blog about the process of this, where he talks about how why he wrote this story. He actually started writing this story before American Gods and just kind of like petered out and lost inspiration. So he went and wrote American Gods and then he found it and he's like, eh. And he showed it to his agent. He's like, I think it's just going to be a novella, you know, a short story. And she read it. She's like, no, this is a novel. You need to finish this. (laughs) And so he finished it and uh, that's where we got Anansi Boys. And he... um. He went to, um, he was trying to, basically people were trying to buy the movie, the TV rights. Mm. And he's really, he's really guarded about the rights to his property. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> somebody was like, he didn't mention who, but one company was really close to buying it. He was about to agree. And then they revealed that they were going to cast every character in the Nazi boys as a white person. A Nazi boys. About the African god Anansi. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. So yeah. he immediately was like, 
absolutely not. You obviously have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> so, so he canceled that. So that was years and years and years ago. So it's taken him this long, but I'm excited for that. I just want to ask one thing of Neil Gaiman. Orlando Jones was robbed. It did, well, first of all, did you watch American Gods? Uh, no. It was when I wasn't. Yeah, well, I didn't have Prime then, and I know I can just watch it now. I'm going to send you a clip after the show. Yeah. Over Orlando Jones as a Nazi. Ooh, okay. He's the best. He blew me, oh, gave me chills yeah. the entire time I was watching. He is incredible, and they fucked him over. Uh, because, and this is why I stopped watching American Gods, which I enjoyed quite a bit. He was played, Anansi is this awesome, and he, like, the opening scene is him on a slave ship when the slaves are first being taken to the New World, and the slaves are basically asking him to help them get free, and he's like, you're not getting free. He's like, here's what's going to happen. And he goes through this whole speech about you and your people are going to be enslaved for hundreds of years. And when you're finally let free, then you're not even going to be equal. They're not even going to let you be equal. They're going to hold you down. And basically gives this amazing speech about it. He's like, you should be getting angry. And he gets into this real like character. And so basically like someone in the production company decided a Nazi encouraging young black men to get angry is a bad idea. Uh, God damn it. Yeah. And wrote the character out. Uh, oh my god but there's never I, I cannot think the last time i saw a tv role that i was like no one ever should play this character but this person oh my god so He's my only request sure. is please recast him as a nazi the only issue is it's his property yeah american gods was in stars oh this yeah. is gonna be made by amazon mm-hmm. so but it's no gaming yeah Maybe you can swing it. And I would now, love that. And now he's throwing, going over to Netflix for Sandman. So it's like, I feel like he, at the very least, he's like, just, I can do it. And also, Anansi does not appear very much in the story of Anansi mm. Boys. It's about his sons. So oh, okay, it wouldn't even be a big role. So, but yeah, definitely check that out. If you have it, it's incredible. Just one of my, oh, he's amazing. So, uh, but yeah, that's all the news I got. You got anything else this way before we move on? Uh, no, nothing that I saw. My right. news is that I actually read comics this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. We're going to launch straight into those comics. And uh, do you hear that, Osway? What? It, it sounds like a like a boom. Oh. We're starting a boom. Boom, boom. Studios. <laughs> <laughs> Switching it up on y'all. Um, nice. so, um, there's also thunder going on here. <laughs> so, ah, nice. um, we're going to start with our boom books. And I'm going to start with my solo stuff uh i have a couple books that are solo first of which is firefly brand new verse number five boom cover cool um it's pretty good a lot of the group has has been captured by blue sun so there's only like three of them free so they go look for help and they run into river um so river tam and firefly great character absolutely love her um and it's just kind of like a tour through the Firefly universe. They're running all the canon characters and talking to them and stuff. So it's been a lot of fun as a fan. I've really enjoyed it. So written by Josh Lee Gordon, illustrated by Fabiana Mascolo, colored by Lucia de Giamarino and letter by Jim Campbell. Highly recommend. I'm not going to talk too much about it because once again, it's a, it's an issue five, you know, it's coming close to the end of an arc. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you are a fan of Firefly, pick it up. All right, moving on to a number one. Ooh. 
from Boom called Dark Blood. One of six. It is a mini. Cool. So, written by Latoya Morgan, illustrated by Walt Barna, colored by AHD, and lettered by Ann World. So, this is set in 1955. And it stars a, um, a black man. Here's a shot of him. Ooh, handsome. Yep. And his name is... They call him AA. I'm trying to remember what it stands for. Um, Avery Aldridge. So he's leaving his work at this um, at this diner, and he gets cornered in an alleyway by a white guy in a trench coat. <clears throat> and he's like, what are you doing, boy? And it very quickly becomes like a racial thing. And the guy's like nervous. He's like, I don't want trouble, you know, and all this stuff. And the guy pulls a gun on him and goes to shoot him. And they basically have a fight or they're about to have a fight. And then throughout this, we're getting flashbacks to Avery in the military. He was 10 years before in World War II. Mm. He was a pilot. He was on the Tuskegee Airmen. And so you're getting like flashbacks to when he was shot down behind enemy lines Fuck. and that happens throughout the rest of the issue anyway so the guy points the gun at him goes to attack him and this happens uh oh, damn okay that's cool <laughs> yeah so he starts glowing with energy in his eyes he starts telekineticing things around okay yeah i do like it and basically he scares him the dude runs out onto the road and gets hit by a car and dies <laughs> so that's fate <laughs> then somebody else the guy driving the car is like this is your fault you chased him out here don't run don't you run away boy and it's just all this oh my god very oh, obvious racism and stuff yeah. like but again it keeps flashing back to him being shot down and we're not knowing what's going on and then the last shot is him waking up six months before this confrontation with the guy and you can see Something is going on in his back. So, it's a karmic crossover. There's a lot of setup, and I I think this is going to be really cool. Uh, The fact it's going to be a mini gives me an idea of like it's not going to go too long. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a nice contained story. I really really enjoy it. I think it's going to be really good. um, Like story of of racial inequality in the fifties. The fact he has powers, you know, it's kind of fun. You know, (laughs) like so. Also. Here's a normal cover, but I got this cartoony cover. Oh, okay. Yeah, welcome to Vale. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That's fine. Uh, but I really, really dug this. Uh, I think it's a promising one. I'll definitely be continuing to pick it up. So, um, that is my solo booms. Now we have three booms that we share. Let's start with a book I reviewed the number one of last time, and Josue has since jumped on board. Yeah. Save Yourself number two. Created and written by Bones Leopard. Art by Kelly and Nicole Matthews, who are twins, by the way. They're an art team. What a great idea, right? That's really dope. (laughs) And Letter by Jim Campbell. So, this book is a kind of a twist on the magical girl trope. Your Powerpuff Girls, your Sailor Moons, etc. So, this world has these three heroes that are magical girls, and they can transform, and they're so pretty, and they beat the monsters up. Well, you find out it's not quite as shiny as everything seems to appear. Yeah. <laughs> so, Josue, being that you're stepping into this, and we didn't hear your review of number one, what do you think? Um, so far, I, was, I mean, I really love it, because it does, at face value, it has all those cartoons that you were just talking about, so check, should love this book. And then you start peeking under the rug, and you're like, 
you literally you immediately just like cover back down and it's like wait what the fuck did i just see it's everything is literally not as it seems and yeah the first book was was, was really good i i did love like the cutesiness of like when they look at each other like the main character and like the superhero lady and it's like oh it's super do- adorable and then like they kiss but then i just loved the explanation of that moment in in the second issue the second issue was like by far so much yeah. better than the first one. Oh um, yeah yeah the first one was a lot of setup yeah and if I was like, I usually kind of get like, oh, it has like that first issue, wow, and then it'll probably take a while to like get that feeling again. Like, oh hell no, I love it when second issue, third issues just amp it up and get better. Especially when it's something from like Boombox, and we're kind of like it should, I don't want to say diluted, but maybe go a little easier. Fuck no, this book actually just goes, still just goes off the walls and just, especially with the explanations and revelations in this book, the way that people take in everything, like the revelation of the about the brother going into like spoilers into the book. There's like there's a big explanation about who the villains really are and how it all works like from the outside view, and the main character gets like wait so the whole time that I've been holding a grudge against like the quote unquote bad guys was a whole lie based on the circumstances of why my brother died. That alone was heavy as fuck. That sh- that kind of revelation should be like in a in a in a <laughs> not rated kids book and like, at least like but to set that up to put that stuff like that kind of wording or that kind of implications and feelings into this type of books for YA it makes me so excited for YA books as it is now. Mm-hmm. And then just like, and I'm not even like, and then not even talking about like the representation, how just like casual it is. Like obviously like our main character is, is a, is gay, but then like the whole about like, but we have like the brother's husband who's still around and like, they have like their own, like they lost the same person. So they've been like BFFs like, this whole time. And I just, I love that relationship. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's a really cute romance too. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, it's just a lot of fun. I really, really dig it. Like, uh. so yeah. <laughs> I, I just uh, the, the part that I was refer- referred to back then when like our main character and the love interest have like their moment, and it, she was just like, and she ad- admits to the superhero lady, we're just like, oh, I'm just like, then I'm basically I'm gonna attracted to your form, and then she's like, like the, her like trying to like an alien trying to concept was like. Oh, you're attracted. Like, you're attracted to this side, and it's like it was really good, especially because like her yeah. being like, "Oh my god, you didn't even know," because <laughs> the whole time she was reading her as like the big beautiful lesbian, but that yeah. no signals were given. It was just like the way she was reading it all wrong. Super <laughs> adorable. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's really, really a lot of fun. I'm very curious to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one of the surprise books for me from moment. Yeah, so. me too. All right. Next, we're gonna talk about. A penultimate issue. Oof. The Mini Deaths of Layla Star, number four. Yeah. Uh, written by Ram V, illustrated by Felipe Andrade, colors assisting by Inez Amaro, and lettered by Anne World. I think this book has exceeded my expectations way more than I thought it would. Every single time. It just takes such a unique idea, like a stance, a unique point of view every time, mm-hmm. literally in the past two issues. Yeah. Um, cause half the story is told basically from the point of view of an old Chinese temple. Um, and let me see here. I don't know. Like I, I really, really enjoy it. And it, it feels like, feels like art to me, not a comic book, which comic books are art. Don't get me wrong, but it feels like it's beyond. I don't know. No, I get it. Like I almost, and, and like, I don't want this adapted to any other form. Oh f- uh, yeah. No, honestly, no, there- yeah, I don't want it to be a TV show. I don't like, want it to be a movie, you know? <laughs> like, at the very least, is there someone, like, is there a Middle Eastern Richard Linklater to do this right? <laughs> right? 
and we get we get a lot of really cool things. Um, we get a really cool idea that Darius isn't stupid, right? And realizes he keeps running into the same woman over and over, mm-hmm. and finds out who she is. And is she a self fulfilling prophecy? Did she cause she, him to do it? You know what I mean? Right? Did she literally like fuck with like fate with time this whole time? I guess like as fate would have it, this boy would cure like death. Would would invent immortality, but as she found out this fact, that she literally messed that all up, and it's like that's literally not a question I I, I had in mind that 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 would happen because especially because mm-hmm. like time and time again she has to restart over in another time in a new time and adjust with adjust to that, but she's so set on her mission that it's like she literally just like break it all, and then now you see like because we're feeling it for her, like is she actually feeling regret? over her overall mission like it's like oh man like it's yeah it, it exceeds my expectation as well like don't get me wrong i was like the the last issue was a 10 out of 10 but this one to finally have come face to face and it's like oh we're gonna talk about it where it's not gonna be some last issue revelation we're gonna fucking talk about it right now okay and everything just went to shit <laughs> yeah and we do know the last time skip seems to be 28 years yeah well so to be an old man yeah, it's like I, I love that it's just it's just dropper. It's like, oh yeah, he didn't do what we set out to do. He's like, he's his, his time is running out. It's like, but we still know that we still know that to be the ending, right? Like, we still want that to be the ending, right? Like, I don't. It's like, ah, uh, I love it. It's such a great it's, fucking it's book. So good, it's so cerebral. I love <laughs> yes. it. Yes. So, which brings us to our last boom book, <sighs> and boom is the right word. Yeah. Uh, written by Alex Child and Grant Morrison, illustrated by Naomi Franquis, colored by Tamara Bonvillain, letter by Jim Campbell. Ladies and gentlemen, Proctor Valley Road, number five. <laughs> um, the last issue, the girls were all going their own separate ways. They weren't getting along. Mm-hmm. And we knew this was coming. This was going to be the last issue. We knew that they're facing a big threat and they kind of needed to work together. And we we're wondering, you know, how well that would work out. I think they did a pretty good job of resolving their differences within one issue of a comic. Yeah. Literally you know? by saying like, Oh boy, boys troubles are stupid. Like we're fucking better than that. Like, yeah, I love, uh, when she, uh, the, the NASA girl, the one that wants to be like, be an astronaut, which she, mm-hmm. which she's like, we all got our undies in a bunch. Not cool. Like we're, we're literally better than that. Like, come <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, there's a lot going on. This is gonna be one of those issues. We're not going to tell you what happens because we want you to read it, pick up the trade. It's absolutely great. Um, it's just got that awesome spookiness and it's kind of interesting that this ended basically right after our other spooky all ages book and oh yeah it's like there's a big gap right now <laughs> like you know what i, I mean know. like between specter inspectors and this ending it's like oh we don't really have that anymore <laughs> where's like, my ragtag team of kids like salting yeah. shit yeah so um my mvp of this issue was cora oh my god i mean yeah it's this cora and then uh riley Gora, because I yeah, like we don't. I, I honestly don't want to spoil like the main events of everything that like happened in this book and like and the obvious like ending factor of it all. But I just want to talk about like 
when everything's being resolved and everybody's like kind of having like their endings, like it's very emotional. It was like, at that point I was like, I could feel myself welling up, but it was like, all right, cool. I was just like, at the very least, like I, I literally felt something in this book. And then I turned the page to the last page and there was a fifth girl, a main fifth girl in this book that for sure needed to be shouted out to. And I'm just, I was just so happy with the last page. And this literally when all the tears started falling and then making it to the show. It's literally like the post-show jitters and like awesomeness. By the time I get to the last uh, quote bubble of the first panel, the last page, and it's Riley when it's like, did you see how she was dancing in the one good man guitar solo? I'm already fucking coming up again. <laughs> to me, I, spoilers for the book, for this like, like, uh, like non-important spoiler for the book, my theory for that moment is that they broke up. Like her friendship with her friend was much more important. And obviously it was a middle school, high school relationship. It didn't last. And her closure was was to be with her other best friend Janice for her to sing one like one good man to be like, oh yeah, no, fuck that. Like I'll just leave him behind. I got my fucking best friend here, like her like her his sister. Uh, and that to me, I was just like bawling. I immediately started playing the song to close off like this last scene. I was just a mess for four minutes and nine seconds, just, like playing that song because <laughs> I I, li- I was literally envisioning myself being at that show with the, with the girls and just being like seeing Janice and like and then for of all songs, it could have been like any other fucking song, but Riley chose One Good Man for her to be like. And I have this sense of like theory that's like it's her closure to be like to leave that shit behind. If I do or don't, I'll, like there'll be one good man out there. But right now, he's he wasn't it. So I think that was like goes like weeks later. Why wouldn't you go to the show? You know. So it's like I think it's like they've been right. over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just like, yeah, it was like it was such a satisfying ending. And I was like, I'm so glad the fifth girl like did get her did get her mention, did get her moment as well. I know that's the thing we've been teasing forever. You know, like yeah. every time I write a little blurb about this book, I'm like, will they make it to Janice? <laughs> <laughs> That's all we care about. <laughs> like, it, it, it was. It was just like it was, I'm glad that was actually all worth it. Like that moment, that last page, that last moment, which just like made it all worth it. Yeah. So that's wrapping it up for Boom for us guys. Uh, now we're gonna go ahead and move on to Dark Horse Comics. I got one book. It's not gonna take long because uh, it's the number two, and that is Apex Legends number two overtime. Uh, fun cover. Uh, got my bay. Nice. Yeah, I got. It's really fun. So the main characters of this one, they really don't follow up immediately from last week's. I think they're all going to come together. Is the idea? So, um, so this one fo- focuses on Octane, Pathfinder, and my girl Lifeline, who I absolutely adore. Um, and basically, they're going to go to a uh, a club. They're going to go to a club and. Lifeline is going to perform because she's a drummer hmm. and Pathfinder is a robot and the bouncer does not like robots. So he doesn't want to let Pathfinder in. So they have to go without him and they get into a big fight and stuff. And there's actually some really cool moments of Octane. Octane is the toxic character in the fandom. Mm-hmm. So this, this is what's, what's funny about, uh, about uh, Apex Legends versus say something like Overwatch. Um, Octane is considered the toxic character. And in that all the all the dudes I'd never want to have a conversation with pick Octane. Okay. Um so but the problem is they don't understand Octane at all as a character. They just think he's funny cuz yeah. he runs very fast and he's all about doing stunts and he has kind of a stereotypical uh, Latin accent. So they're like, "Ah, fun." But he's actually a really in- intense character who 
really cares very deeply about Lifeline. And it's very much focused on in this comic where she gets hurt and he kind of loses his shit and goes after the dudes. So I love his character. I thought I really had a bad idea of what his character was like just based on the guys that play him. To be honest with you. And then as I started reading the in-game comics and stuff and then these comics, it's great. So, um, but yeah, two of my mains are in this Lifeline and um, Pathfinder. That's two of my mains in the game. So, of course, I love it. But it's what it's probably my favorite game out so i'm gonna love it for that reason as well creative team written by jesse stern uh with this writing assist by tom cassiello and manny hacopian pencil by neil edwards inked by keith champagne colored by antonio fabella and letter by nate picos of blambot so yeah just a quick review of that one it's two of four so we only got two more left um but yeah and that might coincide with the next season which starts soon but this isn't a video game podcast so i won't keep going on Next up, we're going to talk about Mad Cave Studios. Josue's got two books for us to talk about. Ooh, okay. uh, why don't you start with Nottingham? Nottingham, another finale. I, it's like when I get a batch of finales, I literally just like go through those instead. And it's like, I usually go by publishers, but if I have like four or five finales, like might as well just like get all the feels out once out of the way. And Nottingham, holy shit! Again, more reveals. Again, like we're, this one's like the ending. So where we last left last left off, it was. Uh, all the Merrymen, literally, uh, after, during the tournament, post-tournament, they literally cornered, uh, like, all the guardsmen and all the, and all the royalty back into the castle and just, like, and kept them there just, like, as, because they had the numbers over them. But instead of pushing through the gate, they fucking had a different plan, and they went around through, basically, the sewers and then started picking everybody off, like, through the other end. Notting- like, Nottingham, is, he's just too fucking smart in his own way, just being, like, a common man. That he figures this shit out. It's like, why isn't this working? Oh fuck! Obviously, it's not working. Uh, especially because he just figured out that Maid Marian was basically the traitor on their side. So obviously, she would give him the pass from, or tell him to give him the pass through the other end. So as we get there, the final, like the clashing between Sher- the Sheriff Nottingham and Robin Hood, it's co- it's it's colliding there. But it's not even to save Maid Marian from one way or another, or. It's literally because she knows, she's always known, that Robin Hood, Loxley, was just such a piece of shit that he was actually there to tie up one last loose end and kill her, too. Meanwhile, the sheriff is there now now there to save her. And because this whole fucking twist uh, on the rolls, and now he's, he's trying to save her to just, like, use it as leverage, but still use like keep her as prisoner. But May Marion is no joke. She literally starts. It, it becomes a fucking like trio fight between the three. It, it's it's so badass. Like she can actually hold, hold herself like with her style. Um, but in the end, she she sees her opportunity of like killing the first scumbag anyway, and gives like Robin Hood two good slices. But then like he just like literally gets like a dagger to hold her as as hostage because fucking Nottingham like knocks a bow, grabs up the, the picks up his like the bow and knocks one through and she's like and robin is like you're not gonna fucking do it like you're not gonna shoot her to get through me like you fucking you need her and he's just nottingham gives like a great fucking speech of blah like basically being like the common man like, you're not you, i'm not the person you actually think i am just because of the position and fucking knocks it right into her chest and robin is just like oh book runs away uh but the like but the reveal here is that like yeah like okay so why why are we rooting for sheriff why is Robin Hood the bad guy? And I said it before and like the interesting about this one was when Nottingham called out it's like yo if you're really st- stealing from the rich and giving to the poor the poor shouldn't be 
poor still based on the amount you're taking. So, and as he's calling out to the comic, he was like, wake up people. Like he's not, he's not helping you guys. We get the answer where, where that money's going to. And it's literally going back to um, uh, King Richard for the crusades. Cause he obviously needs it out there as he's losing men and killing everybody else in, in his past. So that, that's why we get like the, uh, the, the, an answer and it's like how this like it makes like the crusades even more fucked up as they are because like oh cool even this hero was just a piece of shit too <laughs> um but the cool thing is that it leaves off kind of open-ended and as keith uh, gave it to me earlier because like so it ends open-ended because even says the end ellipsis for now and i was like oh cool we get a second issue or a second volume especially because it's like the end, the ad into like the the ad for the trade. They label it as volume one, so I'm I was already set. We get we're getting a volume two, and then you confirmed it to me. So it's like, oh hell yeah, because this is actually such a great take. It's like, I mean, it, it's interesting or like it's cool, like gritty, like edgy when they make the bad guy the good guy. But in this, but in this case, it's kind of like, okay, so why am I going to root for this actual piece of shit? But it's interesting how they actually answered for that, and Nottingham actually worked out. I actually liked it. Nice. Uh, what's the creative team real quick? Oh, yes. Thank you. Uh, this creative team goes by David Hazan as a writer. Artist is Shane Connery uh, Volk. Colorist is Luca Romano. And the lettering is Joe Giri. Giri. Nice. What about uh, Beckstar 3? Beckstar number 3. This one is by uh, Joe Carrayo. Artist is uh, Lorenzo uh, Coingeli. And then lettering is Joe Mahil. So I believe this might be a penultimate. Might, this might be a four-parter. Uh, but yeah, our trio team of women in space, Beckstar being like the leader, the angsty leader. It's just like the comedy into this into the sci-fi story is like it's so, it's so well balanced to just being like, I don't say like a Guardians, but like that cool just like, it doesn't take itself too seriously because it's a sci-fi tale that we can just have spaceships, spaceships and stuff. Because again, we're dealing with we're dealing with the four magical artifacts, and our villain is trying to get them all, or particularly the gauntlet that can actually create a bunch of stuff. So in this case, we do get some answers on how that initial team broke up, like Beckstar's team and like the villain that's actually trying to kill all the artifacts. Um, that guy basically was the first one to, to kind of like cut Beckstar off from the team, like when they went off to go do other missions. Um, he was like, oh, cool. It's just us. We'll cut, we'll cut it three ways. And they're like, well, Beckstar should actually get a cut. And he's like, well, she's not here, so she doesn't get one. But if it wasn't for her, like, literally, because if, if it wasn't for her, none of them would actually gotten those artifacts anyway. Uh, but yeah, so he's still just very elusive on, like, why he just just doesn't like her. Um, but now he has to be, he's on her, he's on her trail. Like, there, he sent out, like, this, like, really cool, like, robot, like, like hitman to just, like, to stop her also because the last guy like the fourth guy member of like that team he sent his daughter to join Beckstar to, like, to guard her and he had the rod of knowledge and thus like was able to like give her a bunch of tips on how to get it by and like around a bunch of stuff for the real bad guy Beckstar basically gets the upper hand on, on this guy because I guess she has like the lucky dagger this whole time like everybody thought she has like the shittiest artifact when it's kind of like it might be like the best one um, but she gets the upper hand on the bad guy, literally slices his eyes, but right before he recovers, because he's like almost like a T one thousand, basically. He's able to copy like this cube to basically still keep tracking them. Um so that's kinda like what we're gonna go for. Like, I think in the next one it's just setting up to like now finally finally all the bad guys like are, are meeting up to get together. 
except for the cliffhanger. It's literally right before like everybody's gonna like, go like, finally leave to go to like that last destination. You get Yo Beckstar. It's like what? My name is Paprika, the daughter for like the guy that gave her the the rod of knowledge. Right now, there's another one. And so now it's just like, wait, what the fuck? Like, who's is who's really telling the truth, or like, why is there two? And it's kind of like, okay, I don't think I was gonna like this book as much as I do. It's just it's funny when it needs to be, and it's like it's just sci-fi when when it has to be. It's it's, it's cool. Nice. Um, let me go ahead and pull that up. So uh, I do need to pick this up. Uh, I've yet to see an issue of Beckstar after the first one, oh, and shit. I only got that two weeks later. So it's gone by the time I get there. So the fuck. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm glad you're keeping me up on it. So if nothing else, I can pick up the trade eventually. So, mm-hmm. so um, next up is another publisher, and we are going to talk about IDW. I have one book. This should not take very long, although it is a number one. Um, this is a book called Bermuda. Uh, did you see this at all on the wall? I actually didn't. Okay, so. I, I kind of dig it. Um, and there's or, a pretty or, let obvious... Me see it. What was that? Let me see it. I pull it up. Uh, let me pull it up here. Oh, yeah. No, I did not see this. So this is the A cover, just so you know. Um, it's published by IDW. There's one very obvious reason why I immediately like that. And it is, as I start the creative team, writer and letterer John Lehman. <laughs> who also does true. <laughs> so okay. I have a weird loyalty to John Lehman. Um, <laughs> I'll follow him into the dark to quote Death Cap. <laughs> uh, artist is Nick Bradshaw. Colorist is Lynn O'Grady. Um, so the story is you got these, these two rich kids. You got this dude and you got his little sister. Mm-hmm. And they're flying over near the Bermuda area. And they have this dude who is the guy that their dad has hired to bodyguard them, basically. Okay. So they're flying. Lightning strikes the plane. The plane starts going down. That all happens in the first two pages. Mm -hmm. The young boy washes up and he immediately meets, washes up on an island and meets this girl. Oh, okay. So she's like, you need to get away from here. And basically, she's trying to scavenge everything, but she's like, you know, you got to come with me and stuff. And she's like, shit, and he's making all this noise. And then this shows up. Okay, that's cool. Like a giant lizard with a bunch of, like, lizardy dudes. And they're slavers, and they're capturing people. Well, this is when the bodyguard shows up, tries to stop the lizard dudes, and they kill him. So immediately he's gone. You don't need to worry about him. <laughs> okay, and good. basically what you what, what we find out as this goes on is, oh, and also you meet this dude, which is her best friend. Oh my god, okay. This is the size of a scale, so... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So basically what you find out is this is a deserted island. It's not the Bermuda Triangle. It's the Island of Triangle. Huh. So, basically, you meet an old man who lives with this girl, and he basically tells him, listen, you're here now. This is where you live now. You, You can't really escape. Sorry. And his little sister is kidnapped by the lizard people, and he has to try to get her back. Um, you also find out the girl's name is Bermuda. Ooh, okay. So, but it seems like a fun kind of romp, almost like a a Kazar, you know, 
kind of thing. Um, but with a little bit of a John Lehman touch to it, I really liked it. I, 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 I really dug it. I, I like John Lehman though. I really do. The designs so, were really cool. Like those two animals, like just like the fact that. Oh yeah. Huge. Yeah. Like that one's just a lot of fun. That's their mount and he helps them get away and stuff. And they live in a tree house. It's very much like, you know, Robinson Crusoe kind of thing. But basically in the end, the big revelation is that there's this thing out in the ocean that creates portals. Oh. And apparently they went through the portal to this other world. Huh. Okay. So it's not just a deserted island. So yeah. And then their dad is involved in this somehow. He okay. might be involved in causing it to happen. So a lot of fun. I really dug it. I'm definitely going to stick with it for now because I don't have too many IDW books. So, mm-hmm. all right. Next publisher. We're moving on to Ablaze Publishing. Oh, damn. And we say goodbye to something that, um, uh, that's caused quite a bit of introspection, as I think is the word for us. Yeah. Um, Eros and Psyche, number five. Everything except the lettering done by Maria Lovett, lettering done by Seda Timofonte. Um Covered by Gulliam, though. Oh, I got this one. Oh, nice. It's like, it was like those eyes. It was like, I've seen those like for like the past I, five months. I thought months. about it. <laughs> I thought about picking it up. Uh, mine is the... Um, I'm going to the, the next uh, one. The Marika Cresta one. Oh, nice. So, oh, it is really um, I'm taking them in the back. Man, what a ride this book has taken us on. Yeah. I, I love that I, I got, with the answer, I love that it has like that reread value. I, I want to go back to like that first issue and, and see when she picks it up. Yeah. I think one thing about Maria Lovett that a lot of people probably have a problem with. Is, and by problem with, I mean getting into her work, is you have to trust that in the end, you're going to know what's going on. Yeah, honestly, that's probably the best way to, to, to describe her, to put her work yeah. as, is to trust her. Yeah, because we, we read Luna. Yep. And for a long time, we were like, what's happening? <laughs> we really liked it, and it was very artistic, and that's why we stuck with it. But by the end, we knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. Same thing with this one. This one, the funny thing about this book is nothing happens in this book. They go by so fast. Like each issue goes by so fast because, again, it's not very wordy. It's not as wordy as Luna. And it almost wants to be secretive on purpose. And then, yeah, once we get onto like explaining what's going on, why what's going on, it's only the words that are the, the words that are said are just the only words that need to be said. And it's almost like sounds kind of cliche to say, but you don't need any more. You don't need an over explanation. You don't need like, yeah. but why everything that is said is just what needs to be said in order to make sense. And then you're just turning the page to turn the page. And that has to be your ending. And it's like, God, yeah. but it works so good. Yeah. To kind of like, to rephrase it too. Cause when you were talking the perfect words, when you were saying the perfect words came to me, Nothing Maria Lovett has ever given me has made me want to get lore of the world. Because right. the lore of the world does not matter Yes, to that story at all. It exactly, doesn't matter. Yeah. It has its own rules. That's all I need to know. The characters are just that great on their own. You know, that I don't, I don't need to know. I don't, I don't want to know what's going on over here. I don't need to know what state this school is apparently in or anything mm-hmm. like that. I don't need to know any of that. It's a self-contained, really, really great artistic story. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And then, like I said, the funny thing is this one especially 
nothing happens in this story. Yeah. There's no big events in this story. A lot of it is just them spending time together. There's no overarching, like, villain plotting. Like, it's like, and now we're I was waiting for, like, an evil headmistress or some shit. Something, yeah. And no, that's not what it is. It's something. It's so good. Like, but it is absolutely beautiful from beginning to end. And heartbreaking. Yes. The end of this, I was like, I literally felt myself, my heart just twinging a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, just being like, fuck, man. Like, I was just like, oh. (laughs) So good. Uh cannot speak enough about this. Um, I just like the, the the last page is what makes me like if, uh, if if I didn't have the last page, I would I would have that feeling that you have. But but like the like that that twist, that that yeah. knife twist more. But with this ending and just be like, okay, cool. You know what? Me too, girl. We're not telling you what happened. No, but, fuck but. no. <laughs> so that this is this is a non-negotiable one, just so you know. So um all right, let's move on to something completely different. Uh, Oni Press and Rick and Morty. <laughs> what a transition. I should have thought about that a little bit better. <laughs> so, don't get me wrong, I love Rick and Morty, but it's not it's it's not this. <laughs> so I got two Rick and Morty books. Rick and Morty, Rick's New Hat number two. Uh, written by Alex Firer, art by Fred C. Stressing, colored by Andrew Dollhouse, and letter by Crank. This is, like I said, in issue two. And um, in this one, Rick put on a hat which made him dumb. And so since he is, um, since he's dumb now, he's not able to solve all the problems and stuff. And he realizes to reset his intelligence, he needs to find the three laws of science. So we're going to go on a journey to do so. And it's a lot of fun. The first place they go is back to the original Earth. So fans of the show know that Rick and Morty are not actually the Rick and Morty from the Earth they're currently on because they accidentally destroyed their Earth by Cronenberging uh, all the humans. And so they go back and there's a, a lot of the humans are Cronenberg. I know Beth isn't, uh, but they run to Mr. Poopy Butthole. And there's this whole adventure and there's this really existential thing going on with Mr. Poopy Butthole and stuff. Yeah, I won't get into too many details, but it's just classic Rick and Morty style. And in the end, Rick does find the first law of science. So he starts unlocking his intelligence again. And the first law of science, according to Rick, is trust the accident, which is great. Cool. That's very Rick and Morty. So. Yeah. And then we're left on an awesome cliffhanger of what's going to happen next. So probably going to be a four or five issue mini. I'm not sure, but really good. Um, I, I like Mr. Poopy Butthole. He's one of my favorite, like... Oh. Non-important, non-important yeah. characters. So he is important. He's one of he's one of the family. <laughs> <laughs> he appears pretty pretty hard in this one. So cool uh, throughout the entire issue. So yeah. Um, also, he's convinced. There's a bit where he's convinced that he's um, Rick's best friend, <laughs> and he's like, "I knew my best friend would come back and save me." And eventually, Rick loses his patience. He's like, "He's like." you're not going to save your best friend. And Rick is like, Hey, if, if bird person was in trouble, you believe I'd be saving him. I was like, that is amazing. <laughs> like, I was like, perfect. So the next one is Rick and Morty in the hotel immortal. Ooh. So we knew they've been doing these one shots, mm-hmm. dramatic one shots. Uh, and I loved this one. Um, written by Alejandro Arbona, drawn by Mark Ellerby, colored by Leonardo Ito and lettered by Craig as well. So do you remember the episode? It was a Jerry and Rick episode. Where they go to the resort where you can't die. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, you're just immediately resurrected. It's a story about that hotel. 
basically. Oh, no shit. <laughs> so Rick and Morty go back themselves this time. Oh, okay. Uh, because Morty's so afraid of dying all the time on their adventures that Rick takes him there so he can just die a bunch and get it out of his system, basically. <laughs> um, and a person dies at the hotel mm-hmm. and doesn't come back. So it becomes a murder mystery. Oh, ooh, huh? And it was really cool. Like, I, it's done in a very classic, like, murder mystery style, but with a lot of Rick and Morty, like, bits. Yeah. The person that dies, his race, are actually nudists. <laughs> so they, him and his son show up, nude. You see them checking in, and the person in front is just like, you can't check in nude. No, you can't. You have to wear clothes here. And he's like, we didn't bring clothes. We're nudists. So they were like, well, you can wear whatever you find in the lost and found box. And the rest of the book, they're wearing the most ridiculous t-shirts. <laughs> um, the dad at one point is wearing one that just says dog mom. <laughs> There's a shirt that says hand over the fondue and no one gets hurt. There's Jesus. one that says I need a vacation from my vacation. Oh my God. So bad. Like, it's just that she's, and you know, those ones on Facebook that are like, they literally mine your information and build the shirt. Oh my God. Yes. This one says, I'm a Capricorn dad who drives a Harley and runs a chinchilla (laughs) farm with his gorgeous ex-wife. And she also brought me this t-shirt. Like, it's so funny, dude. I I kept dying up. Um, This one called, that says the man, the legend. That was just what was cracking me up the entire issue. Like, it's just funny. But it's a really cool murder mystery, and uh, obvious mystery, I'm not going to spoil it, mm-hmm. but they do solve it in the end, in a very Rick and Morty way. But really, okay. really good. I really enjoyed it. I love the Rick and Morty comics, especially with the show going on right now. We're in the middle of the season. It's just nice to have a little uh, addition. So, all right. Moving over to Aftershock Comics. we got two books from Aftershock this week. I got Silver City number three. Cool. Uh, which... You're gonna love this cover. I'm just gonna give you a warning. Let me see. Oh no, that is that is sick as fuck. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, and of course, we always show each other the aftershock info pages. Oh, nice. That's a good. Read. Just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. So, uh, written by Olivia Quartero Briggs, drawn in color by Luca Merley, and letter by Dave Sharp. This opens up in Los Angeles, 1992, at a punk concert. It's pretty much, I got you hooked yet, Jose? No. <laughs> so, um, yeah, basically, um, this is the one where it's the world, it's people who are deceased. And they're living in a city, you know, in the afterlife, where they still have to work and pay taxes and stuff. And they discover the little girl with them isn't actually dead. She's in a coma. They just thought she was dead because dead people have black, white, or gray eyes. Well, she naturally has gray eyes. And they didn't realize oh, yeah. it. So, so yeah, they're trying to basically throw her through a portal so she can go back to her body. But there are people opposing them. Now, this dude on the cover and the the character focus character this uh, in this issue is the punk, the punk guy. Okay, and he just he literally distracts the bad guys by busting out <laughs> his guitar and mic and amp and just. <laughs> jamming out right in front of them basically as a protest <laughs> he says you're anarchy ain't enough for me like he's just singing this is great he's a really fun character uh but yeah things don't end super well for our team unfortunately uh but i won't get too much into that there's a lot of myst- mystery and mystique about this book so oh, okay. it's hard to review without giving things away 
right. So whenever that happens, my usual method is, do I recommend it or not? I highly recommend this book. Nice. That's good. Um, it's very fun. And as I said, this cover alone is worth worth the pickup. It's just fucking great. So, Which takes us to our other Aftershock book. Project Patron number four, which we did both pick up. Yes. Written by Steve Orlando. The Steve Orlando, as his Twitter tells us. Um, artist is Patrick Piazzalunga. Colorist is Carlos Lopez. And lettering by Hassan Otsmane Lhau. Um, I love the direction this book is going. Oh, yeah. It started good, and I was like, okay, I think I know where this is going. No, it's going a different direction. I thought it was going to be more grim than it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I kind of like this. So, for those who don't remember uh, Project Patron, Patron was basically the Superman of their world. He was killed by their version of Doomsday, which is called Woe. And the government basically made a replicate or replication of the patron to protect everybody and these people have to basically sit in a simulation room and be able to control the 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 robot body basically and someone's trying to ruin everything including bringing woe back after exploding the moon last last issue which we were like holy shit so (laughs) which is barely addressed i love that like woe is the problem seriously the moon is not addressed at all basically i thought that was great so uh, i thought this was really cool I'm really enjoying the characters. I absolutely love, um, oh God, what's his name? The big guy. The big guy, uh, Moro. Yes. No, 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 no. Moro's the Moro's the other one. Um, Deer. Deer's his name. Um, I love him. He's becoming one of my favorite characters. Oh, he's probably my favorite character in this book easily. Yeah, no, seriously. And then when he's having his his moment, and and you kind of like, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna ship it. And then you're like, oh my God, no, he really does. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love the solution they come up with. I cannot see how this works. I cannot wait yes. to see how this works out. No, me too. Seriously, like, like avoiding spoilers because like it's like literally the setup for like the cool thing that we're, we're sure going to probably spoil next next time. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad how they were able to solve this, or at least like you know what, let's try this shit now. No, nothing else is going to work. Very Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. We'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, not a giant robot for the record. I like, I like the cover. Like the next one, it's almost like. Oh yeah, I don't want to say it's the almost words. like they're all yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. So, all right, which takes us to our next publisher, Black Mask Studio. Uh, quickly becoming one of our favorite publishers. Oh yeah, so fun. Uh, let's start with Destiny New York number five. Cool, cool. Now, quick note about this one: the arc ended in the last issue. Mm-hmm. This one is a bunch of backstories for characters. That was included in the graphic novel. Cool. So, yeah. um, so I've read these in the graphic novel. Oh, okay. I see. Uh, and when because this was a Kickstarter campaign, these were stretch goals. Um, I believe they're stretch goals because I didn't fund the first one, mm-hmm. but in all the newer ones, these are added. Some of these are added as stretch goals. So, I'm gonna run through the character or the the um, creative team. So the first story is by Katie Koffel and P- Pat Shand. Uh, words are by Katie Koffel, artwork by Rossi Campe. Second one, Ryan Fassett and Pat Shan with Roberta and Granata. Uh, Tanya Everett and Pat Shan with Andrea Kendrick. And the last one's actually written by Pat Shan, artwork by Philip Seavey and Manuel Pretano. So, Josue. Mm-hmm. Oh, before we get into it, by the way, we got a message from Pat Shan, so I should acknowledge this. I... 
Okay, there's a panel that I don't remember seeing is why I thought issue four changed slightly. I missed it when I read through the volume the first time. I went back and it was the same. Okay. Which is, it's we can talk about it now. It's the picture of Hillary. Oh, I didn't remember okay. seeing the picture of Hillary last time. I'm like, I guess he added that? And I was kind of <laughs> like, I, that's what I thought it was. But I'm stupid, so <laughs> ignore me. I'm sorry, Pat. So, um, yeah. So, um, coming out of the first arc, we're getting uh, focuses on Lilith, Joe, Gia, and Logan. Uh, so, we could talk about br- briefly about them. Talk to me about Lilith's story. What do you think? I mean, I, I, as, as far as like the whole project, uh, as far as like the is- issue as a whole, it's definitely an issue I actually liked and needed because like we've talked about how much we actually love this book and how yeah. big it's getting. I love that it actually takes takes a moment to almost like remind us, like at least like because sometimes maybe I need an issue where like I'll I need a reminder of like whose characters' names are whose, and I love that we can just take some like a step back and just take tell a casual story where it's like oh yeah cool i can actually just like start retaining their names by just having yeah a simple story with them uh but with the first one of course like with lilith it's just like there's a i've been having this thing where i confuse lilith her this one from this book yeah they just they just look so similar in design i'm just like and so i'm like and they sometimes have like the same personality or or the things that they do i'm just like oh they're almost like the same character uh, but in this case, yeah, it's just Lilith trying to figure her shit out or trying to figure her life out. And yeah, yeah. and the moment where we're left off, it's like, oh shit, that's kind of where we meet up uh, for the first time. Yeah. And then I like the Joe Rollins one because Joe seems like a joke character. We made jokes about it when he first appeared. I'm like, well, he's making fun of Harry Potter, right? <laughs> like, it's yeah. pretty much why he exists. But as somebody who's read three volumes of this book, he actually matters to this story quite a bit. <laughs> So he becomes That's a cool good. character. So I was happy to see him get a short story, you know. Especially this one yeah. where it's like, I, I like the way he was telling the story. I like the story was told, how the story was told. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he gives me um, Quentin Quire vibes sometimes. I think of him a lot by seeing him, for sure. Yeah, which is good because we love Quentin Quire. So. <laughs> yeah. And then Gia, Gia is one of the main characters. Um, and it's a very different art style than the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially in black and white, it's hard to be different, but it is different. I really enjoy that. So uh, I like Gia. I like her a lot. I like that moment where she calls her. I was like, I can't believe you just ripped a bong in front of Miss David's. I'm the RA movie. That's not chill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, our last one is Logan, our main character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love diving into Logan's head. It's one of my favorite things about this book is when you get to really dive into who Logan is and what mm-hmm. she's thinking. You'll get that in later volumes, I think. But nice. um yeah, so I really enjoyed this book. Um it was a fun way to wrap it up. I'm glad he did these. I was actually wondering if he was going to be doing these. It's a good so. way to just like yeah, at least like for me to just like take a moment with each character and just like instead of just like moving on to the next arc, serious moment, serious moment. And I'm just like, yes, that one character, you know, I'm like, no, I can actually call her Gia now. <laughs> yeah. There's more characters like later on i think one of them has eight stories amazing because we get more and more characters well i was reading um the his letter like just like i I like just like reading sometimes like the editors oh yeah totally and he describes that like that this was also like a fun project for him that later on like you see like they get longer like these epilogues might be might become like a one two part type of thing instead of just one so that'd be fun yeah yeah um also we've we did did successfully kickstart the volume five so i'll be getting four and five cool. 
Um, one of the things we unlocked as a stretch goal was there's going to be a bonus thing, and he let us vote on which he does. He says he's going to do both, but we get to pick which one happens first. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. And one is a art. Uh, it's it's art related. Okay. Which I'm very excited about. I'm not going to talk too much about that one, which is cool. But the one I voted for is a. I don't know if it's how the length of it, but it's basically going to be written story. Of the first week of, or, or, mm, I can't tell you actually, not week, I meant to say year, but there is a year gap between one and two. Ooh, okay. The volumes. Yeah. And it's the story of that year. Ah. Uh, and it's not going to be a comic book from what I, if I read it correctly, it's going to be written out. An actual So like a novel cool. or a novelette. And that's the one I voted for because, you know me, I'm a writer, so I want to yeah. read that so bad. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I'm very excited about that. So um, keep an eye on Pat, guys. He gives constant Kickstarters for all kinds of good stuff, including um, uh, the the Smoke Weed See the Future one that we funded. Yeah. You meet her in Volume 3. So okay. do not read that until you read Volume 3. Okay, okay. Yeah, because I, I, I met her in Volume 3, and I was like, oh, no, because <laughs> like, we already kicked that. And there's a couple of books I missed that are like side stories that I'm going to be hunting down. So, anyways, enough about Disney New York. Let's move on to Alice in Leatherland, issue number four. Uh, created and written by Yolanda Zanfardino. Created and illustrated by Lisa Romboli. Um, I just love the way the two of them are going through their shit, like the, the dating scene, <laughs> their bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> app dating and they're in their own very unique ways. Yeah. In very opposite ways, but with the same, not getting any results kind of ways, you know what I mean? Like, yep. <laughs> so also we're just going to just say, uh, that outfit, dude, fucking drip. Fucking thank you. Yes. Sexy as fuck. In case anybody was wondering, uh, that would be on page five. <laughs> so, Robin, um, man, with the fucking outfit, so on point. There's so many great outfits in this book. Like mm-hmm. they, they really do that so well. Um, there's also a lot of really great cartoonish humor, but done in a realistic enough way that's not a cartoon. Things right. like this shot, <laughs> and then like her being like, "Where is it? That one? That one? Yeah, yeah." Which she can be, Alice can be a little cartoony. I, I dig that. So it reminds me of like not to paint it as Kitty because it's not, but it reminds me of like how serious like the original Teen Titans cartoon was. But then they have like those face shots that they just get the super like yeah 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 out there yeah nice. But yeah, basically this one really focuses on the lack of success they're having dating. I mean, one of them's getting laid, but it's not necessarily what they really need. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> um. But yeah, they're slowly orbiting each other. You know what I mean? And I love that. I love a slow orbit of a relationship. It's fun. And whether it happens or whether it doesn't happen, we'll see. Um, also, she looks really hot there. Oh, she's so cute there. Yeah. She's, yeah. And then we get the reveal. A big character visual change. Yeah. Which I think looks pretty good. Honestly, for real. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. So I like that she's trying to find herself. You know, and then it's it's all about them trying to find themselves in this big city, doing it completely differently and slowly orbiting each other, which I love. Mm-hmm. So, anything else you want to add? Uh, yeah, no, it was a much better issue. Like, Alice only made me mad once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I know you have issues with Alice because 
it was just uh, like, is, it be- is it because she's not she's not a very sexually open person? Is I mean, that what it is? Like to, honestly, no, no, like to, to each their own. It's just like I, she, I mean, she, she it's almost like an excuse for her to be like, oh no, it was an accident. But it's like you're already in the shop and you're still gonna be judgy. Like that's the part. Yeah. it's like you to yourself, you're fine, but don't be judgy about it either. That's my only thing. I think that's her arc. Because mm-hmm. if they are gonna end up together, yeah, yeah. They're gonna meet somewhere in the middle. But it just. Point. But then she comes off like. But I, and then Robin has the appropriate response. I'm the fuck out of here. Then and then she's like, yeah. "Oh no, wait! It was an accident." It's like, no, it wasn't. Like you meant to say, you meant to think what you said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So nice. All right, we are going to move on to image. We have a stack, guys. So not going to waste much time. Um, my first book is Undiscovered Country number fourteen. Mm. Uh. Written by Scott Snyder and Charles Soule. Art by Giuseppe Comancoli and Leonardo Marsali Grassi. Colored by Matt Wilson. Letter by Crank. Um, this one is the second of the of the arc. Uh, so it's still setting up a little bit. Uh, one of the characters... Okay, one thing I love about this book, because you remember I was, I was kind of hesitant on this book at first. Um, and I've come around on this book, and actually I'm really starting to enjoy it. One of the things I love about this book is they keep doing issues that focus on different characters. And every time I, they do, I say, you know, this might be my favorite character in this book. <laughs> like every issue that focuses on a character really turns me on that character. And I really enjoy that. So, um, this one, uh, this one's great. Uh, so it focuses on Valentina, who is the journalist of the group. And they're, the, what they have to do is they have to create a, American masterpiece, a creative masterpiece. So they're trying to decide what form that'll take. Is it going to be a song and all this stuff? And none of them have really skills in that direction. They're not creative people. And so they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. And Valentina is a reporter, but what they don't know is she actually has a really creative mind. Um, She read comic books as a kid, was obsessed with superheroes and stuff. And so she runs into, in this world, the superheroes she used to look up to and his team. And if you look closely, he doesn't look very healthy. Oh, God, yeah. So these are all robotic copies of these guys. And they've been left here with no one to save. Uh. So they're waiting for a story. And they're like, who are you? She's like, I'm a reporter. And then immediately they all start saying things. Like one's like, oh, you're a journalist? You'll be my girlfriend. Dogging and chasing out every every story, but the one right under your nose. And the other one's like, no, you're the plucky investigator who gets yourself in all the scrapes. Never fear, I'll save you. And then like the other one is like, you know, you're the determined truth seeker who pays the ultimate price. Don't worry, it'll give us motivation. She's like, oh my God. What the fuck? Yeah. And so, so it's like, you know, pastiche a little bit. So she has to run from them because they're all basically pulling her apart trying to get to her. Oh shit. She has to hide. And she's hiding in this thing. She she calls for help. Uh, her little robot drone camera thing. Uh, she uh, uses it to run a hologram because they broke it, break in on her. And she's now Captain Valentine. Oh, damn. Who is a villain. And she uh, she's like, I'm a villain. They're like, what are your powers, you scoundrel? She's like, mind control, omega level. There's no defense against it. So like, she doesn't have mind control. Uh-huh. But the robots think she does because that's the story. Oh, shit. So she makes the heroes all fight each other. <laughs> so they defeat themselves because she's telling them a story. 
So it's kind of leaning to where I think she's going to be the key to this world that they're in. And um, in the end, they, they kind of come to the consequence that the most American story is rags to riches, which is 100% true. <laughs> and they're going somewhere to basically go study for it. So I really like this book. It's a lot of fun. Nice. It's, uh, it's, this is, uh, it's really bounced back from that first volume because, again, I'm just not about the Road Warrior Wasteland thing. Like, it's not my thing. Yeah. But once, once they went to the next world and then this world, I'm just having more and more fun. This is probably my favorite world so far, but it's about creating art. So, of course, it is. <laughs> um, all right. My next one is Chu, number six. So, we're finally back on Chu. Uh, they took a break between volumes. Uh, this is written letter by John Lehman, drawn in color by Dan Boltwood. Uh, so this is the Chu CHU for the record, not CHEW. This is the one following Saffron, the criminal sister of Tony Chu of the original run. Um, and she's on a boat and she is uh, basically running a scam with her boyfriend and her grandfather. And they're just trying to make money like criminals. Uh, right in the middle of a scam, they get approached. And this basically sets up the whole next arc. They get approached or she gets approached by a dude who's like, listen, I need your help. Basically, a sunken ship is found with some bottles of Chateau d'Evereux Cabernet Camarot 08. That's 1808, more than 200 years ago. So 200-year-old wine, basically. And it's worth millions upon millions. And he wants it, but he doesn't want to pay for it. So he's like, we're going to steal it. And he's basically like, I have an invitation to the auction so we can get in and basically work together and steal it. And she's like, fine, let's do it. And then he says, oh, by the way, one more thing. I also collect women. You work with me. You're expected to sleep with me. Of course. With me and me alone. So your friend, Mole, which is her boyfriend, is going to have an accident to ensure he didn't have any unwelcome reappearances. It's like, that's not going to be a problem. She's like, no, 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 it's fine. You know, and she's like, let's go see where the night leads. And then they're walking out on the, on the deck. She pulls a gun and shoots him in the head. She's like, I don't like being threatened. I told you I already have a partner. Blows his head off, takes the invitation. Now her crew is going to do it. So, uh, so yeah, we're going to have another heist, which is a lot of fun. I love it. So, I love this book. It's been so much fun. I love the original run so much. So, yeah, highly recommend Chew. Uh, next up, and I promise I'll stop talking in a moment because I'll still got a couple. <laughs> um, next up is Compass Number Two. Uh, this one is really cool. Written by Robert McKenzie and David Walker. Art by Justin Greenwood. Colors by Daniel Miwa. And letter by Simon Bolin. Um, so this is the one with the um, with the um, Middle Eastern woman in kind of like uh, Middle Ages. Right. Adventure kind of series. Uh, so it, it, it's just it's very much like like that kind of era of adventure story where it's you know, the Canto Monte Cristo or the Three Musketeers. They're going from action scene to action scene. And it's just like all these cool locations and stuff. Um, long story short, I don't want to get too much into the details because it's a lot of fun. It's very dense, though, uh, to, to cr- try to describe. Mm. She solves a puzzle to find the thing, the, the MacGuffin that they're all looking for, right? And she suddenly steps. She's like in this in this forest. She steps in a puddle. And there's a snare in the puddle, and you just see whooshed. And then she wakes up hanging upside down over a fire. And she's been captured by druids. Which is really cool, because 
druids don't get enough like appearances and stuff. So, uh, long story short, the druids agree to help her as long as she passes their test. So that's going to be in the next issue. And then there's a really cool uh, essay at the end about druids, where it's like we know so little about the druids, and like that's how it opens. And I think it's really cool, and I like the historical nature of this book a lot. I really enjoy it, and it's got a lot of fun to it. It's got a swashbuckly feel, like it's just great. So really fun. I really dig it. So, all right, kicking it over to Josue. Josue, tell me about Deadly Class Forty Seven. Oh my God. Okay. Deadly Class 47 by none other than Rick Remender. Art by Wes Craig, colors is Lee Lutheridge, and letter by Russ Wooten. Oh boy. You know, I've been talking about this book that is one of my last friends. One of, honestly, it's literally my last <laughs> image best friend. And not to be compared to like my estranged best friend, Saga, <laughs> wherever you are. Yeah. Deadly Class is still here for me. And fuck, and as much as I'm here for it, it just hurts to read this issue. This issue is all about Saya. And it opens up her on a rooftop doing her thing because she's been just like by herself. She was kicked out of the school, was not going to be welcome at school. So, and and the last two issues have been great. Seeing like the the group together, actually chilling together, seeing like after the events of, of where we were the last arc. And then getting the, the the last issue where it time jumped, for uh, we were in the, the 1991, and just getting a serious time jump, and just seeing how much Marcus has not changed in that one, maybe a little bit, but not really. He was still very much like his fucking Marcus self. So now we're touching up on Saya, and that was really nice. But fucking a, you see her, and you're like, wait, I'm sorry, Saya, who, why? And then she basically ends up seeing some money, seeing some stuff, pawning it off. And yeah, she's a pro- she's a teen and the uh, product of the, the mid and late uh, 80s with a lot of freedom and promiscuity into a full-on school to do whatever the fuck they wanted. So it's really sad to see her being succumbed to hardcore fucking drugs. And then we get where we are in our time jump. And she's been alone this whole time, and we're catching up with her in 2001. And yeah, of course, it's it's not going to be about the events that happened in that year, but it's very much at the very least like she's around, and she's not fuck, she's not okay. Like, so this, is, this is where I'm start seeing, or where I'm start seeing, saying while I'm seeing it that it hurts to read this book as a friend to the series because you don't want to see your friend go through this shit. You don't want to see like. <laughs> oh, that's that's actually my guinea pig. She's happy with us. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> so actually, maybe I actually needed that for this, for this moment. But yeah, like I said, you don't want to see your friend struggle. You hate seeing your your friend go through something like this. So, and you know, Saya's better than this. You know, Saya was like the strong willed one, the fucking leader, the actual leader of the group, not fucking Marcus. So to her to see her sp- spiral through this desperation. And you get the biggest gut punch, probably of the series, is the the cliffhanger. Is like I did not. I, it was already like gut punch after gut punch. But the but then you get the last page and you're like, oh, that was just that was just a sampler platter. That was just a little appetizer for what this is. 
what the fuck happened in the last 10 years to get to this? It was a literal gut punch of an issue to just like, it was just not cool. I just, <laughs> it's not cool seeing your friends like this. And <laughs> I, I, this, this, this arc is called Savior Generation. If anything, but fuck it. The way like how Marvel's been playing it, this is Deadly Class Life Story. This is what this arc is. And I'm not about it. <laughs> I don't know what to expect right now. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm all kinds of fucked up from, from this issue. What about uh, Time Before Time 3? Time Before Time 3. This one is by uh, Declan Sh- Shalvey and Rory uh, McConville. Artist is Joe Palmer. Art uh, colors is Chris O'Halloran. And lettering by Hassan Otsame Olaru. So, the time traveling book on where you go to just find a new past and just get away from anything you wanted to avoid from your future. And in this case, our time traveler, we get we get literally like pieces from both ends, from the time traveler dude who was literally up on his way out from being part of like that gang, and then until he got um, hijacked from a quote unquote FBI agent, though she wanted to ha- she was basically making her escape too. Where we start bonding with our time traveler is that he's just pretty much like forever like fucked in that position of like being that person that takes people back uh based on who he works for and this gang what they tend to do from time to time is that they literally up the price right before they're gonna jump the people back in time so that literally only this is it's a family of three mom pop and 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 the kid they literally up the price so either the two parents go or at least one parent has to fucking stay and he's the guy that has to tell them that and that i can only imagine that fucking like that position um, and meanwhile, like the, the FBI agent, like she's kind of set out on finding her family because she was part of basically a product of that deal. Was, she was part of a four. And the, in the end, the parents decided that um, dad and sibling go to the past and um, mom and this is, and her stay in the future. And now she's set out to go to the past and like reunite. But, but the time traveler is like, no, you're gonna you're end up you're gonna end up like that's one of the rules. You're gonna end up fucking up a whole set of things when you meet your younger sister and she's literally fifty years older than you. It's not gonna end well for anybody, especially her. So it's someone like, okay, fuck it, we won't do that. And then of course, like right now they're right now they're pretty much like stuck having to work for her because like they got stuck in a little bit in from their past so they can still time travel but they need to do like some job so they can kind of get out but even though they're gonna get betrayed and then in part of that game there was actually there was actually a spy slash traitor that's actually from the organization from the future from the time traveler if that makes sense um but they but it's two on one so they pretty much like get the upper hand on her but instead of killing her um the fbi's agents like no like we need to get we need to get answers like what the fuck does this mean like you there's a spy for this team now so it's getting a little more interesting i was like I was, I, the book is kind of losing me a little bit by going through the complicated mess of time traveling but <laughs> now we actually get some character developments which is what i needed so <laughs> that's time before time at least for now nice awesome all right next up we're going to start talking about books that we share uh, let's start with Radiant Black number six. Cool. Um, so I got the um, the B cover. Oh, nice! Let me see it. Um, oh, cool! So, that one, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, written by Kyle Higgins and Cherish Chin. Uh, art is by Darko La Fuente. Colors by Miguel Moreto. And letter by Becca Carey. So, we get the backstory of the character that we've affectionately referred to as Radiant Black. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love a good pun. Um, And it's really interesting, and it makes her a full-rounded character in one issue. Yeah. Like, you find out a lot about what's going on in her life. You find out why she makes the decisions she did. You find out that her husband is a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, the worst person of all the people. Uh, So, yeah. And we get the motivation as to why she was doing what she was doing when we met her. And it's understandable in a way. You know, it's a decision that a lot of people would make. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think this is really cool. I think it's a really trolly moment to give us an origin story <laughs> when we're introduced to all these new characters. And then it's like, what's going to happen? And then it's like, oh, here's a back, back you know, a flashback. It's like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, well, I mean, Kyle. At, at that point, <laughs> so, it, was, it was smart to just be like, oh, and by the way, you have to care about her, too, not just be like, yeah, because yeah, she would forever yeah. be the odd man now and be like being the villain that we thought she was. Yeah, Dude, this page, that oh, space, so that face was just so good. That realization of being like, no, yeah. it was good. Like, to make her a full, like you said, like a full running character, her showing up and like calling him out for all of his bullshit and then showing up. I handled it like like knowing like where where we left off with her or where we start with her, and yeah, like no, fuck this guy entirely. Yeah, uh, but I really I'm really enjoying it. This book has been so good. Mm-hmm. Um, we keep saying it. It's the superhero story, not from Marvel and DC that we really need to see. I think this <laughs> paired up with a book we're going to talk about later. Yes, uh, Image is really doing a really good job of bringing back like the superhero genre. Yeah, so. And it's uh, on twisted actually, way, too. Actually, two books we're talking the, about, because yeah, the they're two. different ways. Yeah, yeah, both of them. Like, very different, but they're basically superhero stories, mm-hmm. which I really dig. So, let's actually go ahead and switch over to the next one, which is Homesick Pilots, number yeah. seven. Uh, written by Dan Waters, drawn by Casper Vingard, lettered by Aditya Bedekar. Okay, I'm just going to read, because you guys, if you uh, follow us on Twitter, you know that every time we have an episode... I tweet about every book that we we do, so I have to come up with a little bit for each book. <laughs> I'm just going to read you what I wrote for Homesick Pilots number seven already. I put, oh, thank God. We were really worried for a while there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so basically, we find out that two of the characters we were worried about, we should, I mean, we should still worry about them, but they're fine. They're, they're okay. okay. <laughs> they're not underwater. <laughs> so, um, and I loved this issue. This was unlike any of the other issues mm-hmm. of this series so far, but I still really enjoyed it. Um, just the two of them on a journey across the country together on a train. Yeah, by just letting them be characters is how it was different. <laughs> yeah, and just a lot of dialogue. There, There is still you know, a horror-themed threat hanging over everything. Yeah but it wasn't the driving force of the story. The driving force of the story was their relationship. What, what is it like? What are they, what extent are they willing to go to for each other? You know, everything like that. So, um, I really, really enjoyed this. It was just a really good issue. I, I believe Steven, our friend Steven really enjoyed it too. Oh yeah. No, for sure. One of the ones he's really on to. So what'd you think? 
I mean, I just really liked it. Like I said, like it was just like letting the characters just be characters. It's been a while, it had been a while since we've seen them. Like any sort of update, all we got where it was just like the shit that Rip was was been doing, and it was almost like him jumping to the team, but not really. It was almost like he's forced upon. So it's kind of like they even talk about him a little bit. Like it's just like they think about Rip for a second, uh, but no. It, at least in this case, in this case, like they're so set on like their own path, and it's just like it's. Just, Fuck! Is it just gonna maybe gonna gonna maybe be the two of them? Yeah, and yeah. No, I I just I also, don't know what to also, expect when uh, they finally meet. Yeah. Also, a Nazi gets his arm broken, so that's oh, always fuck, a yeah. good time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, fuck that guy. Am I right? <laughs> so, I uh, really enjoy this, and we also get we do get to go back to the other characters in the last bit where mm-hmm. they're work they're trying to get the nuclear bastard to work. Right. Like, which is a lot of fun. I, I really took this book. It took again. We we talk about it, but it took such a different turn than we expected to go down. Oh, absolutely! And it just keeps turning. <laughs> like, but it's still great. Um, I gotta give a shout out to the ad in the back of this for this book, Echo Lands. Ooh, I don't care what this is. I'm buying it. I don't <laughs> care because it's it's a according to the reviews a um. Dazzling kinetic ride through exquisitely realized fantasy world. <laughs> so, and um, the story of last or Earth's last war, and it's the creative team behind Batwoman, which was incredible. By the oh, way, okay, yeah. um, so J H Williams and W H uh, W Hayden Blackman. Mm. Um, so imagine, remember how great Bat Black Batwoman was? Oh yeah, with DC handcuffs on. Mm-hmm. Imagine how good it can be without them. <laughs> so I'm very excited about that. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, Homesick Pilot's amazing. And once again, another great sticker on the back. Sticker edition, yeah. Yeah, so we talked about that as well. So, yeah. All right. Uh, and then that brings us on to our final image book. Yes. And the end of another arc, Hosway. Arc. Specifically arc, which was like the... Specifically, fucking- <laughs> yeah. We should mention we are getting more of this. Thank you. God. So much more. <laughs> Shadecraft number five. I fucking love this book. Written by Joe Henderson, drawn by Lee Garbett, colored by Antonio Fabella, and lettered by Simon Bowland. Uh, so I got this cover. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, I absolutely loved this. Wait, oh, did you actually look at this cover, by the way, in the store? No. Check this out. So it's her and she's like dropping these yeah when the shadow they're flying up. they're flying oh that's cool yeah that's that's the really cool key about it i love that i like that <laughs> um so we finally get a how do i put this like so we started off this journey thinking okay this is a girl with powers and then mm-hmm. it's going to be her whole family dealing with the fact she has powers What's going to happen? And it turned into something completely different. It turned into an amazing family story. To the point where the dad, he makes a joke. (laughs) I don't want to get too spoilery. But long story short, the dad does something badass. And she's like, dad, wow. And he's just like, yeah, I'm actually a spy. And she's like, really? He's like, no. (laughs) But thank you for believing me. (laughs) But for a moment, I was like, yeah, he probably is. That makes sense. She would marry probably a spy. And then I was like, oh. Yeah, he's like, I just got lucky. <laughs> so no, it's great. And I love his dad response to be like, no, but thank you for believing me though. That I can actually <laughs> that you think that I am that cool. <laughs> so uh so the dad's the normal one in the family, which is mm-hmm. great. Um and 
again, it's a spoiler thing we're probably not going to get too much into. But this last page, I loved yes. it. I absolutely loved it. It brought it full circle. It's just so great. I cannot wait to see what comes out of this, what they're going to do next. Yeah. Like, And then we see little bits of power from the mom, because we know the mom has powers. That happened last issue. Oh, I mean, yeah. That we, we see whole... the potential that she has in the future. Yeah, I mean, like, it, like this whole this whole issue is just like a, a team up. The way the yeah. mom figures out how to get out of the light. Oh, oh, that was sick. Sick as fuck. I was like, oh, just like, oh, that counts too. Of course, that would count too. Why wouldn't it? Yes, all shadows. <laughs> and then as Hussoy pointed out uh, to me to make sure I read, there is a letter at the end of it about how we're getting more more and um joe does have at least two volumes planned yes the whole time so. like because we got like i had some responses um from uh one of the creators um I, I think it was lee and he basically like the way he would word reply back to me it was basically like, like oh like there's one more arc and i'm like oh, okay cool it would just be like a 10 issue thing a close off thing like i can see it but then he said there's two more. They basically started talking about like, yo, they, they didn't anticipate the reception because it came out rabbit like during the pandemic. There was a little comics freeze. So that I, I believe that hurt their spirit for this book. But no, like how we talk about it was how yeah. other others were talking about it. So I guess I guess I amped, amped them up to just think of two more arcs. So at the very least, 15 issues. But then on top of that, they decided to drop a nugget that Good or bad, I, I could give a fuck. I love this book so much. We're getting a Netflix adaptation. Fuck yeah, we are. <laughs> That's so dope. A new comic, and then like the Netflix is actually looking out for for shit like this. New cool stories, and like, like I said, it's Netflix. So good or bad, I I could care less. We're gonna get a cool adaptation, an adaptation of a cool comic book. I fucking love. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Netflix in general has a mixed reputation as far as quality goes, mm-hmm. but. The Netflix originals I would compare this to Ooh. would be Lock and Key, and I take it, yeah, and uh, Umbrella Academy. Okay, yeah, and those are both great. Mm-hmm. I love both of those, so well, I'll take it. Oh, but I, I mean, you just got to get the right creative team, the right cast, and you're True. good. So yeah, but yeah, I loved it. I loved it. It was so good. There's, Image is killing it, man. They're mm-hmm. doing, putting on some good shit right now. So no vault books this week, though, guys. Yeah. Uh, sad face. We love Vault. Yes. Come back next week, guys. So, moving on to the big two. Although I saw an interesting argument on Twitter about maybe they should not be referred to as the big two. Oh? Because they really get outsold by several companies. Most manga companies outsell both of these companies. That's true. And so it's like, they're really the three and four, is what they said, (laughs) but I'm going to call them the big two. And coming in at second place is DC Comics. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, DC. I just kid. Um, we have three books. Oh, I have three books. Hosway has one. Start with the ones I have. Blue and Gold, number one. Yes, tell me about it. Uh, I've been waiting for a Booster Gold comic for so long. Uh, written by Dan Jurgens, art by Ryan Sook, lettered by Rob Lay. Uh, so this is cool because Dan Jurgens is writing. Dan Jurgens actually created Booster Gold. Oh, nice. So oh, he gets to come back and write it. Um, what is your experience with Booster Gold before I get into a description? I mean, I just know that he's the hero that nobody really knows. What's the catchphrase? Yeah, so he's also the hero that monetizes things. Um, so he has, yeah. like, he puts advertisements on his suit 
for companies. They give him money to advertise while he's fighting and stuff. He's kind of a piece of crap. <laughs> but I love Booster. He's also from the future, is the thing. Yes. And he has a robot companion named uh, Skeets. And he just flies around with him. And for a long time, basically... So you know how Green Arrow and Green Lantern hung out all the time? They had a team-up book? Okay, yeah. Um, if you want a really funny version of that, it's Booster Gold and Blue, and Blue Beetle. They always <laughs> hung out. Cool. So... In this case, Booster Gold is fighting a bad guy who just kidnapped the Justice League. And he's the only one that can stop them. And the entire time, there's a live comment feed because, of course, he's streaming it. And he's trying to make money and trying to get people to send him money uh, on his, you know, his donation box, basically, while he's trying to help. So the entire time this is happening, people are talking crap, right? And they're like, oh, this is staged. They're like, hope he dies. And they're like, LOL, and all this stuff. And then. There's there's a really great moment that you slowly pick up on, where this one dude keeps commenting, zero chance he survives this, and then he's like, dead man, fl-. no, he goes hopeless, and he's like, he keeps saying stuff like that, and they all have little symbols so you can see it's the same person talking over and over, and I'm like, okay, and then uh, Blue Beetle shows up to help him, and uh, that dude just keeps talking. I'm trying to get to the part where he really gets into it. Um, they're like, oh, the blue beetle. Well, one guy goes, the blue bug. And someone else goes, no, that's the blue beetle. And he goes, they were in the Justice League together. And someone replied with fire, ice, Maxima, and Superman. And then the guy who's been talking shit replies, and Guy Gardner, the boss. Oh, and he my God. Sim- he realizes his symbol is two Gs. And it's Guy Gardner trolling him on his own fucking stream. <laughs> and then that's when I was like, oh, this is great. And then he just continues talking shit and being like, <laughs> He's just like, ah, they ain't got this. Like, and I'm like, go help them. What's wrong with you? <laughs> like, so, um, and it's great because like someone says Butch and Cassidy or Butch and Sundance, they ain't. And Guy Gardner replies more like Abin Costello. And they're like, who is like, Zoogle it. <laughs> like, it's just so <laughs> funny. But long story short, they end up saving the Justice League together. And then Booster Gold's like, oh, they're going to invite us to join the Justice League. This is awesome. <laughs> and then they, so, uh, Black Adams, uh, he's a member of the Justice League right now. He's like, hey, Booster, come with me. I need your help with something. So he takes Booster aside because they want to approach Blue Beetle and ask him to join the Justice League. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> and so they ask him, and he's like, oh, yeah, we were just talking about that. And like, not Booster, though. <laughs> like, why? Like, he's an asshole, basically. <laughs> like, and um, he's like, fuck you guys. No, no. It's both of us are neither, so it's neither. Basically. So the rest of the book is going to be them teaming up. I think it's a mini, I want to say. That's fun. I think That's it's so a six-issue mini. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. I love Booster. He always cracks me up. So um, He can turn on the serious thing, too, sometimes. I just love it. <laughs> I was a big JLI fan, so that helps. Oh, I see. All right, that takes us to Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. Uh, this book is just... It's so weird, and I love it. It's written by Tom King. Mm. Drawn by Bill Quist Evely. Color by Matthias Lopes and letter by Clayton Cowles. Okay, so in the last issue, Supergirl's on another planet with a red sun because it's her birthday and she wants to get drunk. And so if it's the red sun, she doesn't have powers, she can get drunk. It's kind of like a medieval uh, planet. Long story short, she gets she helps a girl out, gets attacked by a dude who almost kills her, poisons Crypto with a with an arrow. Oh shit. And Crypto is slowly dying. Fuck. No. He also takes her ship. 
So now Supergirl and this girl have to travel across the universe to find this guy because they have to get a sample of his poison to cure crypto. And also he killed the girl's dad, so she wants vengeance. Mm-hmm. That's basically the premise of this, is them traveling together. And it's a lot of fun, and it's it gives Kara a lot of character. But it's not the character that you would expect if you like the show. This is more of a grown-up kind of bitter Kara. Okay. And she's kind of... Like, as they travel across the universe, there's people constantly like, Hey, are you Supergirl? Because Superman ruined my day one day or some shit. And people just keep picking <laughs> fights with her because of Superman. And um, there's also bits, really great bits of humor where like people approach her at bars and she just knocks them out because she's like, I don't want to deal with this. Mm. And then like, they're on like a, they're on like a shuttle or like not a shuttle, but like a, a transport. And there's like this big dude right next to her, the girl. And he's like falling asleep on her shoulder. So she very calmly explains, you know, when you purchase a ticket, you purchase this amount of space, you're invading my space. And, and then it's just great. And <laughs> there's constant moments like that with little bits of humor. And I like this girl a lot, this character. Um, Yeah, it's just a lot of fun. And I'm really digging it. (sighs) God, and there's just... Okay, she's slowly getting her power back because she hasn't gotten to a a son strong enough to get her power back, right? Mm -hmm. And they have to fight this dragon that base in space, and she's not powerful enough yet. So she's able to find a little bit of red kryptonite, which basically makes her powers go out of control one way or the other it's unpredictable uh so she takes it and then this fucking happens oh that's dope she basically becomes the phoenix yeah and which yeah but look this is my shot right here oh damn like coming out of her eyes and stuff yeah like yeah so she ends up fighting the dragon and defeating it and stuff so that's cool it's almost like a road trip story i really dig it like it's so much fun so uh the art is amazing Uh, that's what i'll say art is incredible this is an eight issue mini, and this is issue two. So I know a lot of people have an issue with it being a mini. My hope is we'll get an ongoing, and she'll be named Superwoman. Finally, yeah. And you know, I I thought about it, and I I get the branding because Supergirl is a brand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It ha- it was a show. It was a very popular show as well. You know, like so I get why they want to stick with the brand of it, but at the same time, she deserves better. Just change it up. So especially if. Connor is going to be Superman. You have no excuse at this point. Yeah. So that brings us to our last DC book, which is Nightwing 82. I got this cover. Oh, ooh, as soon as he turned it, it looks so cool. Yeah. It's that's literally cool. that's a that's a building. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Um, which is the fancy cover as always. Uh so this one is written by Tom Taylor. I love how they make art difficult for me on this book every week. <laughs> Drawn by Bruno Redondo, or no, penciled by Bruno Redondo, Rick Leonardi, Neil Edwards. Inked by Bruno Redondo, Andy Lanning, and Scott Hanna. Colored by Adriana Lucas. Lettered by Wes Abbott. Um, So we were left off on a massive cliffhanger in the last issue. A whole retcon. <laughs> Not a retcon, but like a history-changing yeah. fucking It is a retcon. It's a retcon. Okay, cool. It's fair yeah. to say it. Um, and we get the reasoning behind it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll just go ahead and flat out say before we get even get into this, this new character they've entered. Well, we could talk about the spoilers at this point. It's fine. Um, the newly emerged sister of Dick Grayson. Yep, can get it. 
<laughs> she is hot. She's Dick Grayson as a girl. And Dick Grayson as a man is attractive enough. <laughs> so, um, she's hot. Anyways, um, I absolutely love the way this opens where Dick is just sitting there. He's like, hey, I need my mask. And she's like, yeah, you don't need to worry about your, your secret identity. He's like, no, I have to stop something. He puts his mask on. Like, Oracle, it's fine. Call off whatever rescue is about to take place. So you sure? Yeah. All right. This Oracle, stand down. And then you see all the Titans. You see Batman in the Batwing looking very <laughs> upset. Like, it's just everybody was coming for him. And I was like, I was telling Liz about it. I'm like, they wouldn't do that for Tim or no. Jason. No. Everybody loves Dick Grayson. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just amazing. They're so. about to, like, tear this bitch, like, the whole building down before <laughs> they even oh, saw Dick. <laughs> yeah. So basically, we get a story that um, this girl is his half sister. We don't get into all the details of it. It's a really cool story. It has to do with his parents and the circus and everything. I thought, as retcons go, it was done it really works. well because it did not interfere with the main story at all. It works. It just adds to it, and it doesn't assassinate a character. No, it doesn't. No, it it, it literally everything works as soon as as soon as they drop it. Like, like a spoiler alert here is like it's how it happened. It's just like. This is before Dick's parents were together. Like they were, they were a duo, trapeze duo. But this works as like this. This happened before they were together, and then the obviously circumstances of like how she joins and when they were all still a duo. Everything yeah. works here. It's just like there's nothing they can be, they can be like, oh, they're just, just stretching it here, or they're embellishing it here. Like no, like this fucking story works, and I'm so glad that it's here to stay. Because again, yeah, I, was they're, they're, I was immediately on board when they told her. I'm like, perfect. Yeah, because like, like, because and because even like because they, they go on and they touch upon. A crucial moment in the in, in bat history like this page turn yes this page oh turn the feel safe to fall to being this horror story dude oh, literally gave brutal. me chills like what the fuck yeah it, it took me a minute i was i it took my brain a moment to process what happened i was like oh wait what and i was like yeah. oh fuck like so so good this book continues to be not just the best dc book but one of the best comics being created right now absolutely like, honestly yeah it has to be said it's so good. Nightwing blue is a color. I want that. <laughs> I want the walls of my room to be Nightwing blue. <laughs> it has to be uh, Bruno Redondo. Like usually, obviously, it's like the color is coloring it. But as an artist, it's like this blue. Like one of these two people have to patent this book. This blue. <laughs> yeah, it's just absolutely beautiful and just great. And I'm looking forward to where this is going. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I don't like is he still thinks that she's a villain. At the end, I was like, He's that's not, really yeah. Like, like, connect the dots. I guess, I guess it'll be in the next issue, you know? Right. But yeah. Because um, I was immediately like, oh, she's a good guy. So I was like, yeah. cool. Like, but he's like, I don't trust you. I'm like, what? <laughs> so, but really, really, really good. And with that, we move on to Marvel Comics main event. And we got a stack, guys. So I'm going to let Hostway start it off with Miles Morales number 28. Yes, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, number 28, Legacy, 268. <laughs> and this is the conclusion of Miles Morales' Clone Saga. Oh, it's over already? Yeah, it was like a four little part. It wasn't going to be oh, like... Okay. I thought it was going to be a big event. <laughs> right, it wasn't going to try and be like, hey, let's make another giant mess of a Clone Saga. But no, let's, <laughs> just, do the, let's just use the name because it's also Spider-Man. This one written by Saladin Ahmed... Uh, artist is Carmen Carnero and color artist David Curiel and Corey Petit as the lettering. Honestly, it went by really fast. Like it, we because we left off that uh, Selim, the the quote unquote perfect Miles clone, uh, 
he got the jump on it. He, he got the head start and uh, caused a distraction at the hospital so he can end up going to the house instead. Fucked up the dad and is holding the baby sister <laughs> as, uh, as as hostage on top of the Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn Bridge. Just kind of like, please don't paint this. Oh, fuck. Please don't paint, <laughs> this, uh, don't paint this image. God damn it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the whole time he's just like pleading. He's just like, if you're because the whole like because Miles has has sensed this from some of the other clones where it's just like they appear bad, they do bad shit, but then sometimes some of them will hold themselves back. So it's like if they really are a clone of Miles Morales, then they will they would have at the very least a modicum of like his sense of morality and know that this whole shit is wrong. But Salim is too far gone. And he's just like being like, no, fuck this. I'm supposed to be the real one. Or at this point, you mess up the lab so much, it'll be just it'll just be one last battle to see who's the real perfect Miles here. And shit, like so they so they battle it out. It sucks. It has to be around um, the baby, but it's like nothing. Nothing happens to her. Thank God, nothing happens to her. Um, but then, of course, the other clones show up. Like my mind swiper, just like really, just like like puts a pause to Miles. And then as he reiter- reiterates, like, oh, this is this is bullshit. Like, you guys aren't really Miles as if, if this is how you act. Enter Shift, the blobby-looking one. They can actually, like, shift different forms. Because he saves um, the baby, uh, it causes the mind side, like, the actual spider-looking one that can, like, just mess with your mind. It causes that one to be like, oh, shit, like, like no, like, obviously, like, obviously this is wrong since, like, he's not, since... That one sees as the sh- as shift as like the real brother, as like the real sibling. Why at this point? Why is Celine being mean to that one? So it becomes literally becomes like the enemy of my enemy. And at the end, it's just like the my swiper and Celine pretty much like die. They each like kind of like detonate themselves. Like at least like so my swiper can like just like put them away. And mm-hmm. our left and our left is uh is with shift. And Miles is just like, oh please, please be careful with her. Cause like it's just like a giant thing, yeah. And he's like, "Please be careful with her." And he just like he had her like in his own little cocoon inside of her. It's almost he's almost like symbiote like, but not really like more blobby like. So he just right. literally had her like had her kept safe inside, like in the middle of his like his core. Um, so she's fine. And then thus, almost like the the Morales family like, um, grows a little bit because Miles is just like, "Yo, like I'm sorry for everything that happened," but he literally, but at the same time. I'm not like I'm not as far advanced as Salim was. Like he's he's also maybe like a little bit smarter than he was. He might have been the perfect Miles, um, be, uh, beside the the whole bad guy thing. But at the very least, he tell uh, Miles starts telling Shift is like, but but at the very least, I have the resources that Salim didn't. I promise you, I'll find a way to, like to cure this thing because like he literally has like like he's not taking time bomb just like of like dying. So he promises to him that he's like he'll take care of him or it's like. It, may, it might have been like a little like <laughs> sloth and, and chunk scenario from, from the Goonies, but it works because I guess like shift had one more power in him and he starts like blowing up smoke, colorful smoke. And he makes this dope tag of both of them. <laughs> so the, awesome. the, so the miles, uh, the Morales is grew one more brother, at least, at least for now. And that was actually really sweet. Nice. That's fun. I, I'm curious to see where that goes. Uh, yeah, me too. Because like, Shift is actually an interesting <laughs> character. For like not for saying no words, it's just like a like, blurb. But you can just like yeah. extend shit and do really cool stuff. 
Nice. Next up, I'm going to talk about Star Wars. Mm. Uh, I'm going to start with the one shot for War of the Bounty Hunters, Jabba the Hutt. Um, so, I was looking at the covers for this one, and two of them feature Jabba very prominently. Mm-hmm. I don't like looking at Jabba the Hutt. It's an aesthetic <laughs> thing. Okay. But this cover caught my eye, because I said, oh, damn. well, who's that? Seriously. So, this is, I don't know if this is the introduction, because I don't know all of Star Wars lore, mm-hmm. but I knew this is a relatively new character called Diva Lumpop. Okay. And she is a mercenary, I guess is the word to use. And she is awesome. She sometimes works for Jabba. And she's involved in the current thing going on with the War of the Bounty Hunters, where she's the one put in charge of going after um, Boba. Mm-hmm. And you find out they have a history because of Jabba. It's this whole thing. It's a really fun story. So anyways, written by Justina Ireland, uh, drawn by Ibrahim Roberson and Luca Pizzari, cut by Edgar Delgado and Giada Marchisio, and letter by Ariana Mayer. Now, there's two artists and two colorists because there are flashbacks throughout this. Oh, okay. So it, they're kind of their own different style. So the flashback art is um no this is the current art you can see it's it's really cool it's very nice like image like jim lee image almost you know Mm -hmm. which i really enjoy um the flashback art is a little more like traditional uh star wars art like it's it's less like hyper focused less heroic looking you know what i mean so basically this is a side story but this story is about her not not a Jabba, not Boba. It's about her. Okay. And I really got to know her. So basically, when you first see her, she's wearing like this. She's all covered up with this turban and stuff like that. And then off screen, she changes into her costume. And we get our first full shot of her. Oh, and damn. So you can badass. See her, like, yeah, she's all punked out. Yeah. She is fucking awesome. Long story short, it, it, it's there's not a lot going on here. Um, we already know that Boba doesn't have Han, and that's what she's looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, it sets up there's a lot of indemnity to between the two of them, is what the story does. I really enjoyed this. I think she's a cool character. I want them to do more with her, is what I'll say. So. Nice. Next up is the other Star Wars book. Darth Vader number 14. Okay. So, this is part of War of the Bounty Hunters, but it's also dealing with the fact that... Um, so at the end of the original trilogy, the whole thing was the Emperor thinks Luke is more powerful than Vader. He has more potential, so he wants to replace Vader with Luke. That's kind of what it all comes down to in the end. So this is kind of setting up all that where there's like an assassination attempt on Vader. And he's like, where'd this come from? And the idea is maybe it came from inside the Empire. Oh, so, written by Greg Pak, drawn by Rafael Iñico, Color by Jason Keith, letter by Joe Caramagna. Um, you find out, yes, there. I mean, it is a, it is a conspiracy within the Empire to kill him, uh, which the Emperor's kind of involved in because he wants him to die too. But he's not the one doing it. It's this character who hmm. was the one who was actually bidding on the Empire's behalf at the Han Solo auction. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, basically, you find out that the, there's this. Okay, let me ask you this. In Rogue One, what did you think of the Darth Vader scene where he cut down all those dudes? I mean, it was dope. Okay. 
Okay, cool. See, I didn't like it. Yeah. But if you liked it, you're going to like what I'm about to show you is why I'm asking. Okay. So basically, all the conspirators that are trying to kill him are meeting. And they meet with an IG-88, the assassin droid from Mandalorian. There's three of those, by the way, running around. Okay. Um, so they meet with one of them. And they give him the schematics to Bo- to Darth Vader's uh, uh, uniform, his, his suit. Mm-hmm. And basically look for a weakness. And then he comes back and he's like, repeat, Vader cannot be defeated. I'm terminating our agreement. <laughs> and like... Is like you know his abilities transcend technology. It's like I, he's like absolutely not. I'm not taking this job. So all the co-conspirators are sitting there, and then there's like a sound, and then there's a word off the side that says maybe, and we get Vader come in and just chop the droid in half. <laughs> like, nice. It's just a full page Jeez. shot, so it's really cool. And yeah, basically, long story short, he defeats the betrayal and things like that. And in the end, he wants to get Solo because he's friends with Skywalker, and that would lure him Skywalker in so he can fight him. So, yeah, he basically wants to defeat Skywalker so he doesn't lose his spot, is the idea. Mm. So, uh, But yeah, these both were kind of background ones. We're still left at the exact same spot we were in War of the Bounty Hunters last time. So, oh, okay. Um, but, you know, just filling in the background. So, Next up, Reptile, number three. Ooh, okay. I got this sexy-ass cover. Yeah, no, it was very enticing. I did love that cover. I might, I will have yeah. to go back for it. So, written by Terry Blass, pencil by Anid Balam, inked by Victor Lazaba, colored by Carlos Lopez, and letter by Joe Sabino. Um, so, this one is, it's the third book. I think it's a four. Mm-hmm. I know it's a mini. Uh, but basically, I'm not going to talk too much about it. I really enjoyed it. He gets some character development with his cousins, and they're trying to hunt down the guy with the other um, the other stone. And there's a lot revealed in this one, so if anyone's out there who's reading this, I'm not going to really spoil it for you. Okay. But we find out the true identity of the bad guy, what his motivations are, and he always teased that he knows something about Reptile's parents. We find out what he knows. Oh, exactly. Okay. And it's it's definitely personal and emotional and it's going to lead to a really cool conclusion so I'm very excited about that alright moving on to Gamma Flight number 2 written by Al Ewing and Crystal Frazier drawn by Lan Medina colored by Antonio Fabella lettered by Joe Sabino Uh, so this is the return of Scar son of Hulk to, to fight the Gamma Flight and it's it's pretty cool. Um, again, I'm not going to get too much into it because this is an issue too. And it's basically a fight. Most of this issue is a fight. Um, but basically, they fight Scar to try to help the Gamma person escape. Uh, the big thing is, there's a big reveal at the end. With the, the This company that's creating all these Gamma creatures mm-hmm. and testing on them, we get a reveal of who's in charge. The Doctor says, if you say so, Commander, you're the boss. And then we cut off screen to. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. The abomination. Call me Emil. So, yeah. Uh, so that was fun. I'm really enjoying it. Again, it's a mini and it's only an issue too. So it won't spend too oh, much, okay. but it's continued to be good. So last solo book I got. Guardians of the Galaxy 16. 
Written by Al Ewing, drawn by Juan Frigeri, colored by Federico Bli, and lettered by Corey Petit. Last time we checked in with the Guardians, oh, well, first of all, I got this Peach Moco cover. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. So, um, so last time we checked in with the Guardians of the Galaxy, Ego, the living planet, was turned into an egg, he hatched, and now he's a giant Dormammu head. That's right. And th- this is the beginning of the new crossover called The Last Annihilation. Hmm. Annihilation being short-term for space crossover in Marvel. Yep. Um, so, once again, every time I talk about a Guardians book, it's really hard because there's like a billion things going on because there's like 20 people in this book. Okay. I'll just try to give updates. Um, there's a really interesting thing. Something, I'm not going to get into too much, but Dormammu mm-hmm. uses something to attack a whole bunch of planets all at once, uh-huh. including the Kree homeland and the Skrull homeland at the same time. Interesting. Okay. So they're on uh, Teddy and Billy are on the Kree homeworld, home mm-hmm. defending it. Well, the Scroll homeworld's getting attacked, and he no. represents both of them. Yeah. So they basically, for political purposes, one of them has to go to the Scroll world and help defend it. So Billy ends up going to the Scroll world to help defend it. They have to separate, basically. Yeah. Just for you know political purposes, which I thought was a really cool idea. Um, we get some great stuff with, uh, with, uh, Quasar where he, he flies out of the ship and starts kicking some ass. Um, we get, we get, basically there's so many things going on. Uh, Drax, Mantis and Hercules are teaming up and they're basically got spacesuits on and they're punching people. Um, Nova is still on earth with Peter. What the fuck? There's actually, there's actually a bit here. Well, because it it's right at the end of uh, the, the Hellfire. Yeah. Yeah. So Nova actually asks him, did you manage to catch up with Kitty Pride?" Which I was like, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> nice. So, and he's like, we were going to go get coffee on her boat, but she had to cancel some post-gala drama, which is like, oh, you mean uh, Emma's brother being murdered on the boat? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, and then they just kind of cut away. Moondragon's like, we need you here now. And there's a great moment where it's like, Nova's like, I can be there in minutes, but that means taking a right route, you wouldn't survive. And Star-Lord's like, you doing the thing? He's like, I'm doing the thing. <laughs> it's human rocket time, Pete. And then he just fucking blasts off, goes, basically opens a wormhole and like takes off. So <laughs> it's all setting this all up. And the ship, one of the ships gets blown up. And this one has Rocket and Gamora on it. And they're just floating in space without suits on. They're about to die when... Nova shows up and helps them. He uses his field around them to save them. Now, here's the thing. Look at this. He's awfully familiar with Gamora, isn't he? Oh, yeah. I wonder if that's going to be a conflict later on. <laughs> so, um, but he saves them. Long story short, all these worlds are getting attacked all at once. And oh gosh, it's really so cool because Hulkling has to make a big decision. He's like, you know what? We need, we need some backup. He's like, contact the Dread Rock Penal Colony. And uh, uh, Super Scroll's like my liege. She's like, I hate to say it, but he was right. We need him back, Clert. We need Captain Glory. Oh, wait, what? Remember, he was thrown in jail because he wouldn't cooperate with the Scrolls. Uh huh. During Empire. Yeah. Yeah. He's 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 get letting him out to fight. Ooh, well, it's gonna be so dope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm really enjoying this. Uh, this is going to be a crossover. Yeah. Uh, with um, Sword, 
and cable reloaded. So it looks like it's going to be a, sh- uh, a kind oh, of is, short is that one. is that what is going to happen? Uh, was it cable forever? Was the last tag is going to be cable reloaded? <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is Guardians sixteen. Okay. So the only issues involved in this crossover, it's not a very big one. Okay. Is Guardians sixteen Sword seven, Guardians seventeen cable reloaded, the last annihilation Wiccan and Hulkling one shot. Okay. The Last Annihilation Wakanda one-shot, nice. which is going to be the Space Wakanda. Mm-hmm. And then Guardians 18. That's it. All right, all so I'll, it's like I'll, a six-issue. I'll follow all this through. Yeah. I mean, well, we got the digital copies, too. So. That's true. So, yeah. Loved it. Great. Guardians, just amazing. It's just, it needs to be great. All right. Now we're going to talk about our shared books, guys. And it's not a big stack. No. But there's a couple here. And I want to start with a number one. Oh, damn. I have been waiting for this book <laughs> since it was announced. Yeah. Since we missed breaking news on it by one day. Yeah. Um, Moon Knight, number one. Okay. Creative team. Written by Jed McKay. Love you, Jed. Mm-hmm. Uh, drawn by Alessandro Cap- Capuccio. Colored by Rochelle Rosenberg. Letter by Corey Petit. Now, of course, I got the A cover. Oh, yeah. But I wasn't going to get a variant cover. Mm-hmm. I swear I wasn't. Right. I looked down though, and there was a whole bunch of them, and I was kind of like, "Eh, they're cool, but I do I need to spend this much money?" And then I saw this fucking did. cover. Yeah, that one's awesome. Like it's just that one's just so the sexiest fucking, fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, I love it. I had to get it. Uh, it's number nine. Of covers, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I think it's Pepe Larraz then. Oh damn! Really? And Marte Gracia. So, yeah, it's hard to tell, but um, it's so good. Like, but anyways, enough about the cover. Let's talk about the book. A uh, little backstory. I think it's a gonna... EM gist. EM gist. Oh, maybe. Yeah. See, I got the this signature right here. Ooh, okay. Oh, God. I cannot make sense of that. Yeah, there's an, almost, it's, it's like, yeah, so. I don't know. It's really cool, though. Anyways, um, little background. I'm a really big Moon Knight fan. Um, there's a joke going around that he's Marvel's Batman. He's so much better than Batman. Yeah, and yes. <laughs> like, yes, and so, yes. <laughs> um, and I loved, 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 loved the run that everybody talks about. Where he he carved the dude's face off. It's actually referenced in this book. Hmm. That was one of the coolest like runs that Marvel did during the time, and that was in the two thousands. That yeah. was in the Civil War era. It was great. It was really 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 good. So um, I absolutely love Moon Knight, and I love Jed McKay. So this is kind of a really awesome marriage of things. And we we read the preview of this. Yes, the, like five page preview before this came out. But it still happened to me when I turned the page for the first time and saw this page. Oh, yeah. I was immediately like, fuck, this is going to be incredible, <laughs> isn't it? Just as soon as I saw that first page, I'm like, I'm so in. Where it's just like, it's not even, uh, you can just tell that it's not even colored white. It's literally just like the absence of the page. I'm just like, I love how he looks just sitting there. Yep. 
He's just so cool like, looking. Even like the thought bubble white or like the, the, the quote bubble white looks so much different than just like his, than just him. And, and look at the lamp. They did the same thing with the lamp. Yeah. Too. And I noticed the lamp too with like the slight yellow on the outside, but it's still very much, it should all be the same, but he's just so absent of color. I just love it. Yeah. Because Moon Knight is the illumination. He's the moon in the darkness. So he needs to sh- shine like that, you know? Yeah. So I, the only book right now that I can compare this to is Daredevil. Uh, yeah, I was thinking the same. As far like, as like, and like, we love Daredevil. <laughs> as, even like with visuals, like like with like Chichetto's, like how he paints the city, how he makes like the city come to life. I just like love seeing like the 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 landscape. Like okay, the the, the two shots of him like with like wingspan. Every time that happened, I got a little in my this, head. Like. like I, it's, the, the bigger thing. one like the big page one and you just see yeah. like and it's obviously like the big eye candy it's like it's so cool to make the cape look like that it's like a fucking moon but then you just see like the background and it's like what a great fucking landscape yeah i, I would compare it to daredevil as well yeah and i love that they brought moon knight down a bit mm-hmm. because he was in the avengers for a while just now and things got big you know <laughs> Konshu took over the world at one point, you know, like he had the Phoenix Force. Like it got a little too big. And I'm glad this is grounding him back in his neighborhood in New York. And uh it's just so much fun. And he's going to a therapist, which is great. Yeah. It's a really good it's a really good way to intru- introduce you to the character if you're not really familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and because we know the show is coming. The thing is, is when I when I know an adaptation is coming and I know what the actor sounds like, I read it in their voice in my head. And Ooh. Oscar Isaac's reading all this is choice. Let me tell you. <laughs> so I love it. Um, it's just a lot of fun. It really sets up the character, and it sets up what he's about. He's kind of you know he's this dark mystical Batman basically. I mean, who this, handles his neighborhood? That page, or you can test yes. me further. Like fuck yeah, <laughs> yes. He's great. And then he just does his thing. And there's like a repetitiveness about this, which I really dig. Um, that, you know, it, you can almost feel he's getting tired. Because mm-hmm. each time someone comes in, he gives the same speech, but he's less and less businesslike. He's like <laughs> not sitting up straight and stuff like that, which is really cool. Um, we get introduced to some new characters, including, as I said, his therapist. We get introduced to another person involved with the Konshu, mm-hmm. which seems to be going to be one of the major things. And there's a lot going on here. And I think in one issue, they set up multiple different things that could go from here. Yes. And, and one of them being like, probably like the thing, the thing at the bottom of probably anybody's list, vampires. I yes. love it when it's like, okay, cool. Marvel, you, you took the step on introducing vampires into the MU. Now run with it. Don't don't just be don't just use it whenever it's convenient for your story. Yeah, don't put just the, bust blade out. <laughs> exactly. Put the lore in the fucking MU if that's what you really wanted. And now it's fucking here. And it's like, it could be one of the branches that Moon Knight fucks with. It was, it was just really cool. And yeah, then going, I really dug it. And then scaling it up to where it could possibly go, and it, it kind of does. I mean, they don't really allude to what who he might be, but I loved when there was a line that was dropped. It was like, oh, so you're a fist of conscious. Like, no, I'm the fist of conscious. Like. Well, there's one in one, you know, like it's like I, I love that they introduced that. Or at least like they raise that question. And yeah, because like the whole time he's just like, no, like I'm I'm the top priest. Like no, there's nobody below me. You answer to me. It's like, oh, cool, cool. Let, let's dive yeah. into that lore. I, I'm fucking excited for this. 
The aesthetic is absolutely incredible too. The oh, visuals, yeah. like, oh my god! I think uh, I saw Jed McKay actually tweet today, maybe that um, the artist uh, uh, Alessandro Capuccio, he said, and I quote: "I think it was he had no no business going so hard on an issue one." <laughs> and I'm like, that's true. Like, it's just it's just so great. It just oh, so it's great to look at well, like the, i'm just so excited i just i love how distinct and how how different they look up between mr knight and moon knight like with the suit all clean and it's like he's just like so the, proper the flat mask yeah not the hood yeah. but then you you think that moon knight is gonna look that clean but he has like this rugged it almost looks like a little alex malieve like he just it's so cool yeah it's just oh, i love it Moon Knight's so much fun. Yeah. And he's crazy. That's yeah. the thing. He's <laughs> mentally unstable. So he can, like... I like that in issue one of this, we're addressing that. Whereas, let's be honest with ourselves. Again, everybody compares him to Batman. Uh, Batman obviously has some mental instability that's not being addressed. Yes, <laughs> and it's much. been 70 years. <laughs> so, Could you imagine like, his breakthrough? Oh my god. But yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed this. I'm so happy it's being made, and it's a great creative team for it. I can't wait to see where this goes. No, me too. So, and I hope people get hyped for the show because of this. So. Yeah, yeah. All right, next up, Thor Annual number one, written by Aaron Cooter, and also penciled by him, uh, inked by Cam Smith and Aaron Cooter, colored by Chris O'Halloran, and lettered by Joe Sabino. Now, this doesn't tie directly into what's going on in the Thor comic right now. Mm-hmm. It is a side story. It introduces a new bad guy. And it does the annual thing where a lot of times the annuals would be like a look back. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's it's a story that might not have immediate consequence going on and stuff. But I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I thought it was really well done. I think the art was the highlight i think the art really was awesome it was especially very, the fairy the, the elves and stuff like that it was very complimentary it was complimentary yeah. to like the setting yeah yeah uh i really dug that also it shits on hawkeye which is always funny <laughs> so you said it was yeah. spider-man <laughs> <laughs> i like, like is it the frank castle say no it's like really the punisher <laughs> 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 and they would those guardians obviously would fucking love kit frank of course yeah <laughs> obviously scourge would so <laughs> but yeah no i I really dug it um it, again it was kind of a side story oh, really and then was. you can see and you can see the the backup story in the back with fury about the the infinity stones i've referenced that in the past oh yeah it's like so. it's kind of setting up to i mean yeah it's a prelude to what infinite destinies is what it's being for um no honestly i i like the drop of like because it's almost this issue is almost like a, a its own what if inside the actual mu yeah um i did like the drop where it's like yeah all the all the the screw ups that Thor would have taken for this life, Thor Borkin, God of Blood and Thunder, that was dope as fuck. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so, yeah, awesome. And then let's take it over to our X Men books. Yes. Uh, so I'm gonna start with X Men Legends number cool. five. I was honestly I was most excited for this one, like to like from you. Written by Peter David, uh, drawn by Todd Knock. Colored by Rochelle Rosenberg and letter by Joe Caramagna. Fun fact, we've never reviewed a comic book on the show drawn by Todd Nock. That's true. Which is bizarre because I love him. And I, I like he did that Nightcrawler mini and I loved that. Like mm. he's done a lot of great stuff, but we've never actually reviewed anything of his, which is cool. Um, 
So the first arc of X-Men Legends, they're all two issue arcs. The first one, obviously, was Let's Answer the Third Summer's Brother story yeah. that we never got to finish with Claremont. Mm-hmm. The second one, we brought the Simonsons back for a classic X-Factor story. I love the Simonsons. I've made it very clear. I love Chris Claremont. Yep. They're, Chris Claremont's one of my top five favorite writers of all time. But another man who's on that list and might be my favorite comic book writer of all time Damn. is Peter David, who drew this, <laughs> nice. who wrote this book. Um, I loved this era of X-Factor. He actually handled two eras of X-Factor, this era and then later X-Factor Investigations. Okay. Um, and this is right smack dab in the middle of where I was reading X-Factor. Oh, nice. So I literally was like, this takes place between 75 and 76. I was like, I know exactly what's happening in this book. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I, it didn't even take me a minute. I was just like, oh, yeah, it was that one. So um, this is when X-Factor was a government organization. Uh, basically a team of mutants to handle mutant problems uh, led by Val Cooper and with Havoc, Polaris, Strong Guy, Quicksilver, Wolfsbane, and Multiple Man. Um, Madrox. I love Madrox. Uh, so long story short, some Latverian mutants are trying to free Latveria from Dr. Doom. They're going to kill a bunch of people. And X-Factor sent in. Is X-Factor notified immediately? No. The Avengers are notified. And the Avengers say, oh, this is a Doctor Doom thing. You want the Fantastic Four. And then the Fantastic Four thinks, uh, Fantastic Four says, oh, they're mutants. You want X-Factor. Yeah. <laughs> so, so X-Factor is basically handed down to X-Factor. Um, and I really enjoyed this book. I'm going to say it. It's been it's my favorite issue of X-Men Legends so far. Oh, for real? Nice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Peter David, again, I love his writing. I absolutely adore, and I don't think anyone on the planet writes Quicksilver better than Peter David. I was like on the part where he's dressing, yeah. <laughs> like, I... That was my favorite. Like, I love Pietro in that era. Mm. And I love the way he writes Wolfsbane. Um, he can make you care about Guido. And that's why I was really like, <laughs> when they did the X-Men election, everybody's like, anti-Guido. I'm like, none of you read X-Factor, apparently, because <laughs> he's one of my favorite characters. Like, his whole thing is he absorbs... When people hit him, he absorbs it and gets stronger, but he gets bigger. And the bigger it gets, the less his body can handle it. So there's actually a point in the comics where he absorbs so much energy, his heart gives out. Mm. And he's out for a long time. He doesn't recover for a long time. And I always really love that. And he's like the the jokester, but he also has a real dark side to him, too, where he's like really depressed a lot. Like, oh, I just uh-huh. love that character. So um, I like that we get to check in with Crystal and Quicksilver. Yeah. <laughs> because we, we read the Vision Scarlet the Witch Vision mini. Vision Scarlet Witch, <laughs> yeah. So apparently everything turned out okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, After he's like, ruined woman. (laughs) um, I love Madrox so much. I mean, if this was just Madrox, it would be one of my favorite books alone. So, um, but yeah, it's really cool. Well done. Um, It's very X factor in that they go running off without their leaders and make their own plan, which is very X factor. Um, And then we see Wolfsbane. We see her see the vision of her, uh, adopted father reverend craig which is not the first time that's happened to her seeing his dead his spirit yeah um obviously it looks like one of the mutants did it but that's kind of a cool callback that's happened a lot to her so um and then she transfers back i love the the art here yeah i just love the way todd knock draws especially wolfsbane uh just i just love it i just adore it but yeah i'm really excited to see where this goes what did you think as somebody who's new to this era of x factor mm-hmm. and 
obviously we love Peter David and Maestro and stuff like that. Um, but what did you think? Did was it? Did you feel like I, I know with the last one it felt like you're dropped in deep and you don't really know what's going on sometimes. Oh yeah, uh, this I, one felt like a softer blow to me. Oh for sure, it was a, a much softer one uh, at that. Like the only one, the only one I was missing is um, Polaris, but I'm, I'm sure I'm sure he'll utilize her in the for the the second part. But right now, I just like I love seeing a team up. If anything, if anything, what made me more comfortable in this one, yeah, was Todd Knott's uh, artwork. I, I, I'm, I'm sure I have my own handful of issues of his work because it was just like I was immediately in a just like in a comfortable setting where it's like, oh, I, I feel like I know this. And at that point, it just made the whole process like that much like enjoyable. And yeah, like the, I love the fact that we talked about the Wanda uh, Vision uh, book because seeing them together was just like, and then. That was just so funny what you just said right now. I was like, I guess everything worked out because <laughs> like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, it was actually very enjoyable. Just like seeing like this group of this group of X-Men, this group of X-Factor like together, which again, like I said, like I'm not familiar with, but seeing them in action is like, you know what? Shit, I probably was a little too harsh on strong guy and I would want to know more about him now. Oh yeah. If we ever do sit down and read X-Factor investigations, you will fall in love with Guido. Oh fuck yeah. He'll break your heart. Dude. Like. <laughs> Like he's amazing. No, but this is super cool. I actually, I, I, I've been loving for five issues. How let's use this book as like plug in all of these holes that are just scattered everywhere, and like, like let's bridge all these like kind of like, yeah, stories, these arcs. Yeah, and yeah, I've really enjoyed this one because there's not a specific hole we're filling or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's just a chance to get Peter David to go back there and write another story. It just, it honestly makes it seem like we're just bridging how these characters got from this issue to this issue because sometimes like oh a new writer will take over well they'll, they'll get a new idea to start somewhere and they'll literally start it somewhere completely fuck off somewhere where where they last left off so i kind of like that we have like a little event that happened in between the two so it makes sense yeah, yeah definitely mm-hmm. um but i'm excited to see where this goes yeah um i love i just peter david plus x factor is always excellent so <laughs> all right now now to the current X-Men books. New Mutants number 20. <laughs> written by Vita Ayala. Uh, drawn by Alex Linz. Colored by Matt Mia. And lettered by Travis Lanham. So we were left off on a big epic moment where we realized that Scout has been killed. Yeah. I'd like to point out that three people were murdered at the Hellfire God. <laughs> like, it was not a very safe place. Because Christian Frost was killed. Okay, I was like, who's the third? Yeah. Scout and Wanda. Yeah. Where's 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 Christian Frost's fucking <laughs> trial? <laughs> like, but whatever. Um And basically this renegade group of kids that have been hanging out with Scout are like they might not bring her back because she was a clone. Mm-hmm. They're trying to figure out what to do with her. And their idea is let's get the mental copy of her and just drop it back in the body. Because I mean, she can heal. I mean, like, yeah. it makes sense. And they do have no girl who can do it. And for the purposes, no girl takes over Scout's body while they're running around. So, which makes sense. So no one has to carry her the entire time. True. Yeah. And also be really grim. Fair. <laughs> like, so, um, we also uh, get a little bit more on the side with the Shadow King, with uh, Karma and Wolfsbane. Oh, man. That was fucking harsh. I saw I saw a review where somebody was like, "This is why I hate Wolf Spain." I'm like, "You do realize what's going on, right?" Uh, like, I, I think you read the scene wrong, buddy. <laughs> like, yeah. So, and then on the side, we also get this really fun, awesome story about a new mutant that shows up who has tectonic powers, and Warpath and Magic's team is sent to 
help. Yeah. And I love it because Warpath handles it perfectly. Yes. Where they're able to save everybody or as many people as they can. They find the young girl and she's like, I want my mom. I don't want to go to Krakoa. He's like, we're not going to take you against your will, basically. Like, he's like, we're going to build a portal here. We can train you here if you want to so you can control your powers. <laughs> and I'm like, fucking perfect. Like, yeah. why Why aren't the rest of the X-Men this diplomatic? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? So, and it seems like they made friends, you know? Like, the family seems to be appreciative and stuff. So, mm-hmm. perfect. That worked out perfectly. So, we also get this. This scene, I'm not sure how I feel about with Dokken. Yeah. And no girl controlling Scout's body. Yeah, and speaking for her. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't really like that very much. Yeah. Uh, but but I, I get it. I get the storytelling. But I still love Evita. It's not. I don't think oh, you're no, doing yeah. a bad thing. I just don't like that choice that no girl's making. Right. It's, like, I mean, at this point, it's like, like Akihiro is like, was being told his truths, but it's like it wasn't from the right person, which is like, well, but, but it, what it obviously it was because I guess through her scout. But yeah, it was just like I don't know. Yeah, I, I was actually bugged out by this scene too. So they break into the to the the hatchery to make it, and um, they run into Tempest. They knock Tempest out, and that's when Wolfsbane shows up. So let me ask you this. Was this entire thing a setup to let Shadow King get in the hatchery? Ooh. Ooh. That's my theory now. I, I, I vaguely recall seeing the, I guess, elusive for like uh, the next cover or the cover after this one, the upper 22. And it still mm-hmm. very much involves him. So, and nothing, it's not even setting the hatchery or anything like that. But that raises a very big question. Because they needed all their powers to get in. Yeah. They needed Cosmo to break the barrier. True. Yeah. So. And she and she made it so fucking easy too. Yeah, so I'm very curious to see where that goes. Which takes us to our last book. Ooh. Uh God, what a sexy cover. You got oh, I got I actually went with this one. Oh my god, I didn't even see that. You didn't see this one? Oh dude. I wanted so hard. Yeah, it was god. like yeah, this is like super dope. Uh Marauders twenty two, written by Gary Dugan, drawn by Matteo Loli and Klaus Jansen. Color by Rain Barreto and letter by Cordy Petit. Um, so this issue of Marauders is all around Emma basically recovering from the gala and also dealing with a little bit of business with Sebastian Shaw. Uh, it also deals with the Cuckoos, dealing with the girl from the Young Hellfire Club, Wilhelmina. Yeah. I forgot what they're called, their group. The Madripoor kids, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but basically, they're the new Hellfire Club, mm-hmm. but they're all kids. Uh, basically, what what her fucking damage is basically is the best way to put it. And they're trying to help her get over it. It was really dark and weird and I loved it. Uh, so we won't get too much into that story, but we'll talk about the Shaw one. What was really cool is I really appreciated this because I read all these books when I was a kid. I went back and found them because I needed to know. And basically Sebastian Shaw wants a Lord Chantel to be uh, resurrected. His ex love, as he puts it. Oh, God. And Basically, Emma tells him, hey, she's not dead. And she's like, I'll tell you once and we're never talking about it again. Basically, we find out that Shaw abused this woman. Mm-hmm. Now, this this was a real character way back in the X-Men, back in like the early 80s, maybe, whenever whenever Kitty joined. Yeah. Like, it was, it was right then. And she was a member of the Hellfire Club. She could teleport. She was there when the Sentinels showed up to attack and she was killed. Well, they're retconning it in that 
they faked her death. She didn't actually die, so she can get away from Shaw. And Emma assists her in getting away, gets her a new identity from the Kingpin, but has to do unspeakable things for the Kingpin in order to get it done and to pay it off. So she basically tells Shaw, she's she's not dead. We're not bringing her back for you. You know, like, and the funny thing is, is like, he basically, when she died, it made him choose the side and that's how they won. So in the end, it was a, it was a worthy sacrifice. So, and then I like the, the letter to the quiet council, how they're talking about, um, basically, I, I think it was cool that they did this story because they're talking about, we should expedite the resurrection of Henry Leland. Oh, which is a um which it was a member of the uh Hellfire Club at the time as well. Yeah. And he was killed right at the same time, maybe a little bit after. He's been dead for a long fucking time in our, you know, our current time, like in our time, like or Harry Leland, not Henry, sorry. Henry Leland's a, a fucking inventor. Um so yeah, so I'm kind of curious to see when he comes back. They're talking about how important his powers are he basically can increase mass so make making something increasingly heavier and heavier and heavier hmm. so i'm curious to see where that is actually gonna go so yeah but yeah i really enjoyed it i love marauders obviously um it can go on forever <laughs> i i there's a lot of hate for marauders on twitter by the way why i don't get it from people that I actually respect it I, just, I don't understand it it's like one of my favorite books I, I don't get it either. Like, honestly, my take for this book was just like, Shaw, who the fuck said you could talk? <laughs> and then we get a story on like, bro, this is why you need to shut the fuck up. And it's just like, yeah, no, it, was, it, was, it was hella strong. And it's just like, it just paints like Shaw to just be like, Ugh. if anything, what bugged me about my cover is that you don't really get to see. I don't think they really implemented uh, the kill Shaw tattoos. If so, I might do that myself <laughs> or actually go or wait for a con and have the actual artist do that for me. Oh, that'd be dope. So, I mean, like this this hand is covered by like the the guard, but this other hand of uh, right, with the the fucking the dragon, goddamn it, it's pretty open. Lockheed. Yeah, no, thank you, Lockheed. It's pretty open. I'm pretty sure I can get them to just put Shaw on that one because I would do the hand. <laughs> That'd be dope. Yeah. So that's the end of our books uh, for the week. That is everything I have. I swear, you have anything to wrap up with? Uh, no, that was everything from my end too. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us this week on We Have Issues. You can check us out on Twitter at WHI Podcast. You can check me out at WHI Podcast Keith, our producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz, and Hostway at Hostway Reads Hostway. Also, check out our other show, Jukebox Vertigo at Jukebox Vertigo, uh, where we rank or where we make a new playlist every two weeks, working together with a different category. Uh, the next episode that I'll be releasing for you is going to be Vulgar Display of Lyrics, where we pick the most vulgar songs we can. We've already recorded it, so we know how it went, and I'm very excited for it. Yes. So, <laughs> um, Also follow us on at Ultra underscore pod for our other show, Podcast Ultra, which is all about video games, what we've been playing, and all the latest news. And hosted by our friend Crozen at Crozen underscore underscore. And of course, for everything we have issues related, you can check us out on Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, as well as geekelitemedia.com. That is everything. Uh, the only thing I want to leave you with, Hosway. Yes. I want to share a secret shame with you that I'm probably going to do, and I hate myself. <laughs> um, 
coming up is Wave X number five, and there's a variant cover for it with Loa. Oh, yes. Done by Inhyuk Lee. Yep. <laughs> so the variant cover looks like it's going to be normal price. Mm-hmm. However, there is a virgin, vir- vir- virgin version of the cover. Yep. It's one in 50. Oh, my God. So what? Yeah. Probably that price. I'm staring down 100 bucks. Oh, my God. No. I'm probably going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> so... Right. I told Liz, I'm going to make a bad financial decision. And she's <laughs> like, you should probably get your car fixed first. Like, that puts things in perspective. So uh, it's just the AC. Don't worry. I just live in Arizona. But anyways, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, guys. We appreciate it. Uh, we will see you next week with all the week's comics, as well as all the news coming out of Comic-Con. Thank you so much. And don't forget to geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.